Let me tell you something. You know how bad to the bone that dude is? I was listening to him on the way up here. Eddie Bravo is the one who called me and returned me on to Tom Petty. Oh, Tom Petty was a bad motherfucker. Oh, that fucking, that something song was on the way up here. I almost crashed the fucking car. He doesn't get much respect. I don't know why people, when they talk about, like, rock stars they really love, you don't hear a lot of people, like, people go off about, like, I always go off about Hendrix or people go off about certain artists, but you don't hear that it looks much like about... like a fucking anteater. That's is that what I, it is? Is that, <laughs> but, you know, is that like Getty Lee? Same thing from oh, Rush? that fucking guy drives me crazy. <laughs> Living. Yeah, no, that shit drives me crazy. The singer from Ario Speedwagon with the needle shoulders. Mm -hmm. Remember Ario Speed, which had a good live album when we were kids. That was a yeah. badass album. Fucking, we'll come back, uh, back on the road again. Oh. Remember that? What time I'm leaving now? They were fucking badass, but the problem with uh, Tom Petty is he looks like a rat. But if you know anything about Tom Petty, he's deep in it, dog. He's like, he's like a Gracie. Yeah. He took guitar lessons from the guitar player from the Eagles in high school. Did he? They're really? from that area where white people are like trash, white trash, but they know how to fucking play an instrument. Like, like uh, at Jacksonville, that area. He's from like Jacksonville. Oh. Okay, so Jacksonville is like them. Uh, you know, not the Leonard Skinner, but the other band that was uh, their Jackson, the Allman Brothers, like mm. Dead Jack. Like, you could see it. Oh, I get it now. I get the whole. Oh, that's where the Allman Brothers were from Florida, too. Yes, bro. Wow. That that neighborhood is lethal. Like, if you go online, that neighborhood, like, I went online one day. I'm, I know that it's either or, either Tom Petty. Just think about that. The guitar player from the Eagles, the one that wrote Hotel California, the one they threw out that lives right on Topanga Canyon, that dude, that dude's a powerhouse. All that, all that was him. Joe Welsh joined later, but the early powerhouse was that dude when he has rings around his nose on Hotel California with blow. That dude's a savage. And he, in high school, he gave Tom Petty guitar lessons. A lot of people don't know that. And they can you imagine? That's like that's like you know that's like the that's like the Machados and yeah. the fucking Gracies. Like they were just hanging out in the basement. They were cousins. That's what they did, and it all launched from there. The Allman Brothers. There's got to be somebody else from that area. I don't know who it is. That's from that fucking area. A lot of people don't know that. That's so weird. Skinner's from that area? Yeah. I mean, think Skinner, yeah. Allman Brothers, and Tom Petty. I know for a fact. I could. I can't lose this argument. Tom Petty's got ten songs that we've all sung at one time. Yeah. That fucking song from when the guy's dancing naked in, uh, in Silence of the Lambs with his dick between his legs, American Girl. That's all Tom yeah. Petty, guys. That's all Tom Petty. The one with uh, the dude, the good-looking guy, the Pirates of the Caribbean. Remember he had that video with the dude from the Pirates of the Caribbean? Yeah, with Last Dance with Mary Jane. Yes. Dog, that dude does not. The one with Stevie Nicks when we were kids. Stop dragging my heart around. Oh, fuck oh, yeah. shit. I forgot about I mean, that, that Look, I'm getting goosebumps. Oh, like, that I dude, for, I forgot he's big because he's song. like Muhammad Ali. He just stuck around for 20. That's 83. It's 2015. Oh. That's seven. That's 17, that's 32 fucking years, I know. I'm and he's 52. still around. And he's still and around. He's still around. Wow. You know, you forget about those fucking guys. Like how, and, but that area, what, it's the water. It's got to be something. They just had something at that time. You know? you know what? That was like they were all growing up in the 70s, and the culture was probably exploding from the whole, all the crazy shit from the 60s. A lot of people from the East Coast escaped, and they went down to Florida. <sighs> You know, that's what happened to a lot of people. A lot of mob guys went down to Florida. A lot of people went down to Florida to go on the lamb. A lot of people went down to Florida to get away from debts, to get away from the East Coast. Like, the Florida is a, a big part of Florida is, like, escaped savages from, like, Jersey and New York. 
That's a, that's the dirty secret about Florida. There's as many New York accents in some parts of Florida as there are anywhere else. Go to Tampa. Yeah. They have Yankee hot dogs, and that's where the Yankees spring train. Listen, when I robbed that jewelry store, I went to Sarasota on the Lamb in 83. There was nothing to do. I had to go watch the Road Warrior every day for a month. I got a theory the about movie. Florida. What's I got the a theory, theory about Florida. I think it's too hot. I think that's why people are so dopey down there. I think it's too hot. No, I think I, even if you take those animals from New Jersey and New York, they, that was in the set. They like, it just got there. They just got there. They, their personalities were developed in the cold weather. Their personalities were developed where you got to get shit done. It's cold. You got to fucking shovel your car out. And then you go down to Florida and it's just swatting bugs and sweating. <sighs> just the deep, deep fog of a hot day in Miami. The fog. The fog of the moisture in the air. Fuck. What about Arizona, though? Wouldn't that it's be the dry. same? Dry. No, that Miami. Oh, dry. Listen, a a Southern dry. Florida morning, you know when you're there. Mm -hmm. When you wake up and there's dew on the window and you open yeah. up and it smells tremendous. A, a Florida morning smells tremendous. That grass with that moisture on it. Yeah. But I, uh, Now, tell, tell me about this thing outside of Fort Lauderdale. You were telling me once, and then somebody uh, was telling me in Fort Lauderdale one time, what's going to happen in that ocean? It's going to sink? There's, there's an area around Miami, like all around southern Florida, which the ground is very porous. It's, it's not like Louisiana, where you can like put up a levee and you can keep the water from coming in. You can't stop it. It's going to come through the, the, through the ground. Like the, the ground is not this you know, rock-hard, firm ground that we get up here while we're right next to the water. It's not like that. So as the water level rises, there's going to be no way to stop it. It's going to come right through the ground. Swampy. And, yeah, when it comes through the ground, that's the Everglades. And that's, you know, any, any swampy-type area. And when it comes through the ground, it's going to eat up Miami. It's just going to eat it up. It's not going to last. Miami's not going to be here in 100 years. Do you know who used to say that? Do you know whose theory that was? Who? My mother's. That's why she didn't go to Miami. She's smart. When she left Cuba. I kept asking, why didn't you ever go to Miami with all those Cubans? She goes, I didn't like it there. She goes, they positioned those missiles from there to shoot or something. She was telling me. Oh, yeah. That's where it crossed the street. she was like, I don't want to fucking even be. Something about Miami, the land. The land's not going to be right there. And she hated it. She fucking hated Miami with a passion. Well, especially in her era. Uh, you know, that was when the Cuban Missile Crisis was going on and everybody thought that the Russians were gonna launch nukes from Cuba's right there I mean a lady swam it. She swam it. I mean, what the fuck man? I mean you could probably I mean it people raft it every day people yeah. raft it that little you know, boy remember that little, yeah. little boy mm -hmm. down yeah. the people raft. raft it every day if you go to Cuba right now and you put on the street I'm thinking of going out there's be some guy like Maggie and he'll break it down to you don't leave at six because the high tide they already have it They've done it. They've done it and maybe come back or got arrested in Cuba in the United States and come back You know they said there's a point when you're out there that you just see all the raps of people that have failed Oh my god, and that's when you know, there's like 30 40 miles out of Miami You know uh, 50 miles out of the United States they say it crack a lot. That's where you really, that's the fifth round. Anderson Silva's on top of your ground and pounding. And you're, you know, it's, you're just looking into the abyss. There's nothing. And once it gets dark, they say you just hear some fucking wild noises, man. <laughs> you just hear, you just hear some fucking wild noises. Oh no! You know you can't drink the salt water, so you got to bring the water with you. You got to keep the raft light, so you got to bring like saltine crackers. I mean, it's it's how it's, many days does it take? 
it, it's all depending on the tide. You know, I don't really know. I've spoken to people who have done it. Cubans that you have to like, listen, like your conversation about the fucking show last night. Listen to this. Like they have yet and all the fucking documentaries they do have not sat down like a family. Like that came with six and they lost three. And you talk to those motherfuckers. Wow. And you have no, the, the pitcher from the Yankees ate his hand. He started cannibalizing his own fucking hand. What? Because, and then he, he broke down, and I, I get emotional thinking about just it. Just like psychologically? Like or psychologically, he started eating his hand, he had no food. Oh my so when God. he, the first time the, the Yankees gave him 10 million, he went into the, uh, the, the clubhouse and he saw the, the cold cuts and he broke down. He had a nervous breakdown. He had never seen that much food. Wow. Like fruit and, and cocuts and bread and, you know, sodas. Wow. He had never seen that. That's just the intensity of it. But there's uh, nobody yet. There's a, uh, there's a documentary that's real interesting called Balsero. Uh, Balsa is, that, that's that generation. The Cubans have the Mariel escape. Marielito, those are the ones that came in 79, and then you have the 90s ones, and they call, the Cubans look down on them. The Marielitos like, fuck you punks, you're balseros. <laughs> They're the ones that come in truck tires. Jesus and Christ. And arrest fucking truck Jesus. tires. <laughs> How many days does it take normally? Three. To, it all depends. You know, I know this. intelligent people watch the show and they're sitting there going, Joey, it, it all depends. It's not like you could count the days. It, it's right. wherever the tide takes you, you know. Well, that was going to be my question. Is it, do people ever miss? Why? Do you ever, like, go, does it take you out to sea ever? Like <laughs> some people, the tide goes a different direction. Yeah, you can't you control know, that they, shit. I, I, I'm sure but that when the, you but go But don't to... they have the jet streams? I mean, aren't the jet streams, like, pretty predictable? Like, that's how they have those garbage patches, right? Some people get caught in those islands by the Bahamas. You have to look at the map, and we could really... Some people actually land in an island Jimmy, by the pull Bahamas. Up a map. Pull up a map. And you're so still not home answers. because you still... They could still arrest you. Oh so, if a, so Fidel has flights going throughout there looking for people. Those motherfuckers take really? you back to Cuba and arrest you. Oh, my God. So until you touch the United States... What are you writing? Uh, tide map. There's such things as tide maps for boating and stuff that would show you the tides of the oh. that I, I, unless you touch the sand. Look at that. So you God, get off. So close. <laughs> Look how close that is. So those islands right there from where see the tip. You probably have to leave from the northwest island, like right under Key West. You'd have to leave, but I guarantee there's a problem. I guarantee there's some type of problem. So you have to hit it depending on what's going on. Some people live, leave from the southern point and they catch something at the Bahamas, those little islands. The Bahamas has over 100 little islands over there. 100 little islands by the Bahamas. All those little islands used to be drug smuggling islands. That's the midway point. So that, that, that's it right there. But think about that. That's 90 miles. That's from here to San Diego. That's legit. So the first 30 miles is pretty easy. The next 30 are the real fucking deal. And then I, I imagine you start seeing land, but uh, once you run out of water, you start hallucinating. Mm. And you can't drink the salt water, correct? So you start hallucinating. I mean, I've heard different things. And put, that, put that back up again, Jamie. That'd be a very interesting documentary to just see somebody take off from Cuba. And fucking just... That's like a Survivor Man thing. But that's even like 50%. something he would do. Yeah, that's... Uh, Look at that fucking, look at the distance. It's so small. Cuba looks bigger than I thought it looked. But these maps are really, like, distorted. It's very difficult to gauge the, the perspective, like, how big Cuba actually is. Like, um, when you look at, like, Africa and the United States on a map, like, a lot of times it doesn't look like Africa's that much bigger. But then if you actually see how big Africa is, have you ever seen that? 
Africa fits like almost all the other countries. It fits like Europe. Yeah. It fits everything. Like, p- pull up a map of how many different countries fit inside Africa because it's it's pretty crazy oh to look God. at. It's it's so big. Look at that. That's all Africa. So look at all the different fucking. So look at the United States. It's like a little piece of it. It's like maybe a quarter of it. Look, all of Eastern Europe. China. Yep. Jesus. China fits in 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 Africa. That's how big Africa is. Spain, France, excuse me, France, Germany, Italy, Eastern Europe, and fucking India. Good lord. And then it says India Part Two. So I guess that's another segment of India. Are they just stuffed in there? Now to make put it the fit? regular map of fucking Africa, and that's when you just get petrified. Oh, and all the UK. The whole UK when you fish see, on island. Fucker. When you see what's in Africa is when you really fucking just shut the map. Like, you're like, I could tell why the exorcist was there. Because in my <laughs> mind, the exorcist was there. That's where it started. Look at the fucking countries. Like, everywhere there's always a fucking something going on. Yeah. Always something going on. Morocco, they're smoking hash. Tunisia, who fucking knows? Libya, they're fucking up. You know? Sudan, they're fucking up. Egypt, they're fucking up. Ethiopia, is, they're fucking up. Look at all the fucking regions. You know, Rwanda's a war always. I mean, there's always Angola, Zambia. I mean, there's always something Zimbabwe, going on in Africa. Zimbabwe, Kenya, you know, Uganda, the most, Somalia. Uh, the most corrupt city in the world, supposed to be Nigeria. How, Nigeria, is it Nigeria? One of those where they have all the uh, ma- uh, the scams on emails, mm-hmm. where your money's in an African bank. That's the most corrupt city. The cops, everything. Everything goes down in Africa. Look at that. Look at that. Where's Liberia? You ever see those uh, Vice specials on Liberia? And fucking the Somalian pirates, dumb fucking crazy motherfuckers that are out there. Yeah. Well, this, you know the Somalian pirates. You know how that all got started? They were fishermen, and uh, the Europeans kept uh, dumping shit into their ocean. And they were killing all the fish. They're throwing like nuclear waste overboard and shit, and all kinds of fucking chemical pollutants. They just would dump their waste out outside the shore of Somalia, and it was killing all their fish. And these people were starving, so they started kidnapping these boat guys and, you know, holding them for ransom, saying, "Hey, you owe us. You've been fucking up our ocean. You know, we want money." And they were making so much money doing that. They said, "Fuck fishing," and they just started robbing people. And they they take this stuff called cat. It's like, a, it's like an amphetamine. It's a plant that they chew, and they, it has like an amphetamine effects. So they're, they're fucking just f- hopped up on speed all day long. Just... And they're running around with guns, and they're just... Fuck, they give a f- zero fucks. Zero. They don't give a fraction of a fuck. When they get on those speedboats and head towards your t- oil tanker... They start throwing anchors up there, grappling hooks and shit, pull themselves up. They're just not scared of you at all. They're crazy fucks. Those guys are real. Have you ever seen videos of those guys? Like, yeah. they're scary. They're scary. Yeah, they're that's... wild, man. They come after people. Fuck going on a ship around anyway mm-hmm. with those motherfuckers out there. In a lot of ways, it's very Lord of the Rings-esque, you know? It's like, it's kind of like unbelievable. When you see these gr- groups of dudes that are all skinny and kind of cracked out, and they got machine guns, and then a rubber tube with a fucking engine attached to it, and they're shooting at this giant boat, and they're throwing hooks up and climbing up, getting inside. How is that any different than some scenes from The Lord of the Rings? That's crazy. That's like the elves versus the trolls and shit, you know? I mean, these guys are madmen. They're madmen. And most likely, all that shit started out 
because people were fucking with their livelihood. They're like a peaceful fishing village and people were polluting their water and they didn't have any food. So they started getting dangerous. They started getting desperate. That's a cra they call themselves the, the volunteer Coast Guard of Somalia. That's what they started off as. Makes sense. Fucking totally makes, sense. makes sense. That's why they would be so angry. Well, I mean, how come they never did it before? How come Somalia doesn't have like a deep history of pirating? You know, it, 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 it's not like we know, you know, it's not like we think of them as like Vikings. You know, if Vikings started robbing people again, we'd be like, it's in their blood. The video I seen, there wasn't one fat Somali and they're all fucking bony up yeah. like Jesus. Mm -hmm. They're skinny as fuck and they move, Jack. They pull up next to a ship and they move. Yeah. It's like, fuck SWAT. Fuck yeah. all them. These guys don't give a fuck. And they're throwing shit at them. They lock up, but these guys don't give a And like the leader looks like Jimi Hendrix with goggles on. <laughs> like he doesn't know about fashion, nothing, you know. Yeah. It's, uh, it's fucking scary. I don't know. It's a different world. Uh, yeah, it's a different for fuck you, you. You grow up in that world? I'll stay out here, man. I'll fuck stay right you. here. Yeah. Those motherfuckers are savages, like mm -hmm. real living fucking savages. No, and it's kind of interesting, Joe, if you really think about it. Like, we don't have to be like that. But here we are. It's 2015. And at the same time when you and I are alive and very peaceful and getting along with everybody, this is going on in another part of the world. That's that's the weird thing. It's like there's we're not much different than them. We just we was just we're super lucky We're super lucky. And we got born into a better situation than them These people are there right now in a war zone. That's like a Mad Max movie I mean their life in a lot of parts of Africa their life might as well be some crazy end-of-the-world Apocalypse movie, you know if you go to watch the, the watch the vice pieces on Liberia, it's Bananas. This is the sh like some of the now, shit aren't that they made cannibals there also? Fuck yeah, that's they're what part of it is. Okay, right. They're cannibalism. They're selling. He said this guy was selling meat, like human meat, on the street in kebabs, and he said he recognized it because he knows what human meat tastes like. Because he used to kill babies. He used to fight naked. This guy, they call him General Butt Naked. He would take off all his fucking clothes and go into into combat with a machine gun, naked. Killing everybody, killed thousands of people, thousands of people, ate babies, used to cut their heart out, could find an innocent child of, of the enemy, kill them, cut their heart out, and eat pieces of their heart, and they were immune to, to, to being damaged in battle. They couldn't die. That's what they felt. So they would do that. He's admitting this on this fucking special. Now, here's where it gets really crazy. He became religious afterwards, and now he's like a minister. And he, he, te he preaches Christianity. And because of that, they're going to absolve him for all the, all the people he's killed. Who? Who's the same guy. Him? The country of whatever country he's in, in Liberia. They absolve him. They, like, let him off the hook because he's, like, a Christian now. It's like, whoa, like, this is going on right now. I mean, that guy killed thousands of people, thousands, and admits on camera that, that part of their ritual was to eat babies. And people are like, well, you know, it's, uh, he's different now. Now he's, he's found Jesus. Now he's got to pay for that somewhere. Not in this one, but the next one, Jack. It's, it's But what my point was is, like, this is a very different world. Oh, please. It's not just a little to different. To them, it's, it's another day, Jack. Yeah. It's another day. Traffic to us is another day. People somewhere else don't understand this. These motherfuckers are eating kids' hearts, babies' hearts. Not only that, like, how many atheists do you think are in Africa? I bet, I bet a lot less. I bet a lot less than here. So when a guy says something like, I've found God now, now I've found Jesus, that actually means something to them. Where they go, wow, he's found God. Like, this is, 
You're talking about a world that looks like a movie. That's what Africa is. I mean, it's a world that looks like a movie, like a crazy, chaotic movie, like an asteroid hits China and kills almost everyone outside of the United States and kills 30, 40% of the United States. And then that, that's Africa. The highly populated areas be like Africa. Like District sh- 9. Remember yeah. that movie? District 9. Very, yeah. very similar. Yeah. That's parts of it. I mean, then you also have Johannesburg. You also have like real cities. I mean, it's weird. It's just so, it's so fucking giant. I think the craziest thing I ever saw out of line was like the Bronx in the 80s. Like certain parts of the Bronx, I would leave there like going, I'm not ever coming here again. That was like, the craziest shit you ever saw? here again. Yeah, like, like at night one night I made a mistake. Like in 1980, I went to the Bronx to get drugs. I thought I was cool with some friends. And we fucking went into a war zone. Like there were war zones. I don't know who was fighting. I have no idea, but it was just dark and weapons. And nah, I, I like regular things. I don't need to be in this fucking. That's the worst I saw. With a building on fire. The night I went, there was a building on fire. People yelling. The fire department wouldn't even go in because wow. they know that the fucking people would rob them. Yeah. It was like that movie I told you to watch, Robbed, about Ken Norton, Muhammad Ali. Mm-hmm. That it wasn't that that Muhammad Ali lost to Ken Norton that night, the decision. It was what was going on outside in New York City, how people were getting robbed on the streets, yelling for the cops, and the cops are turning their backs because they were overwhelmed. It was like four to one. They couldn't Jesus get all the cops Christ. in there. They had blocked. They did it perfectly. They blocked cars and shit so no horses could get in there, nothing. I'm telling you, watch this. You're going to be like, what? How did this happen in 1970 that people from Manhattan, rich, are getting mugged and they're yelling for the cops to help them and the cops were walking away? Wow. Like, that's how crazy the Bronx was at one time when I was a kid. And I didn't go up there. I didn't live up there. I went up there to get drugs, thinking, you know, like Coke or weed or something stupid. That's the worst. Well, there's so many people. The Bronx is so huge. There's so many people in like bad neighborhoods, like or quote unquote uh, bad neighborhoods. You know, it's just lower class, poorer neighborhoods in New York. There's there's big areas, big giant areas that have like a lot of. You know, what's the pr- correct? I want to say lower class. What do you want to say? Like uh, people that live in poverty. But there's there's some spots. You know, I uh, when the first one of the first things I did when I moved to New York is I drove through Harlem. I'm like, I want to see what this is like. You know, I'm like, all right. I got here. This is my first day here. Let me go see what Harlem's like. <laughs> I fucking drove all the way up. And as you get uptown, things get weirder and weirder. And this is 90, 1990. And it was before they cleaned up uh, Times Square, too. It was, it was still kind of a freaky spot. And uh, as I'm driving up there, it just started getting crazier and crazier. And then all of a sudden, you're in neighborhoods where you're like, I have to get the fuck out of here. Like, this is, this is not safe. Like, this is dangerous. I was driving to a spot that had garbage that was stacked seven, eight feet high, five feet wide, stacked down blocks. I mean, blocks. There was, like, long blocks of garbage hills. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? Well, there's some sort of a garbage strike. For I don't know what the, the details were. But there was rats running back and forth. You could see them running back and forth. And, you know, I grew up in a, a su- like, when I lived in Boston, I lived in a suburb in Newton. That's where I went to high school. It was, like, the calmest, quietest place. 
It's a very nice place. So here I am, just a couple years removed from that, and I'm walking down Harlem, watch these rats dart back and forth, and people are stepping out of liquor stores holding 40 ounces like it's a movie. I'm like, well, this place is crazy. This place is crazy. You know, from 16, from 15 to 22, that was my backyard. Really? My backyard was from 113th and 5th, which is right by the park, to 178 by Port Authority. And Joe Rogan, I, have no, I knew every nook and cranny. Like, I knew where all the weed was, the coke was, the pills were, the weapons were. Wow. And, and I had... I had been pretty much the, I had been pretty much, my mom's best friend lived on 113th and 5th. And that was horrible. By the, at night, that turned into something else. And then with the being in the numbers thing, when I was a kid with my parents, where the Cubans have their main numbers thing is by a place called La Maqueta. There's a train, and they have all these little markets, and it's on 118th. And uh, it used to be Spanish back in, in, in the 70s, 60s, and early 80s. And what you do is my mom would have a bodega, and she'd have sodas and cigars and maybe books of dreams. And people come in, they say, I had a dream about a truck getting hit by a fucking monkey. A truck is 50 and a monkey's three. So they put $5 on 350, you know? And $5 <laughs> pays you $2,500 that night. Cash, no fucking drama. And all the banks would be upstairs. So you'd have bodegas all around Harlem, but the bank would be centralized in one building. In the summers, I would have I would have a couple different jobs. In the summers, I would either help in the bodegas, you know, stocking shelves and running money up the stairs, or I answered the phones and had to yell the numbers to the dudes, and they would flip it. So if you get too much action, let's say on 604, after you get $50 on that number, you got to, let's say you get $82 on that number, you have to take $32 and dump it off to a different bank. Because you could only get killed if you give away $50. That means you're losing $25,000 for the day. So it was always have. It's a very interesting fucking racket. Wow. It's not huge anymore because the picket came in. So the lottery, the, one of the biggest lotteries, I don't know if they still do, is the Puerto Rican lottery. You buy the sheets. You buy it by the sheets. And that's big in that part of the country. But uh, the Italian, it was invented by Tra Santo Traficante in Miami. And he brought it from Cuba. And it's called policy. So then the Italians took it. They were the big thing of it. But the ethnics were where the money's at. They're the ones that have the dreams and they're poor. So that's what the ethnic took that market from the mafia. Isn't that ironic? Amazing. The, 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 Amazing. the, the lottery is coming, from the, all that money is coming from the poor people playing it. People that have the dream. The next time you go to 7-Eleven and you go get where you want rolling papers and you're fucking thirsty, look who's in front of you. Some fucking guy. Ah, let me get 604 with scratches. You know, he's at fucking 7-Eleven at this fucking ISIS substation with a fucking dream. He's going to win the lottery. You know, it's a fucked up dream. I see people in my 7-Eleven all the time buying 25, 30 tickets. But I also, part of it makes me giggle. Part of it reminds me of being a kid. My mom, my mom's number habit was horrid. horrid. She played the numbers constantly. If she walked in here and you had like, what's this saying, Cronk 31? Give me the number before 31, Joe. Five, blam, call New York, 531, $20, bam. So anywhere she went, she saw a number that was weird, <laughs> bam, she blasted that motherfucker. You know how many times I hit the number when I was a kid, just fucking around with her? Oh, I would join like a football team, and I would come home, and she'd go, what's that number on your shirt? 57. Put a number in front of that. Five. <clears throat> she called the book. 
557, $10, $5,000 for dinner. Another time I hit it on my birthday, 219, I used to hit that motherfucker constantly on my birthday. But that was my mother's fucking main thing was numbers. Numbers in Harlem. So I got to walk around there as a child. Then as I got older, my first arrest was in Harlem. I got caught smoking weed on 100 and 61st Street in 1983, the first day after the Super Bowl. Wow. I won $800 on the, uh, when the, the triple, the, what's the, the Miami D's, the, the sleeping, the B's, whatever the fuck they were, when they beat the Redskins. And I went into a health food store. In those days, weed stores were health food stores right. in Harlem. So what does the health food store complain of? Yoo-hoo's. No protein drinks in those days. It was Yoo-hoo's. Yoo-hoo's. <laughs> food store. Protein powder, you know, <laughs> vitamins. And then if you knew the right people, you went in there, you're not, and the glasses were all bulletproof. Wow. And you went in, and they, you'd say, what do you have? Let me get trays. And they, excuse me, they put the weed in the glass. You'd take it, give them the $30, and you'd ask permission, can I roll it in the corner? And you'd roll the joint in the corner, and you could go outside and smoke it. I rolled it in the corner and went out and lit it in the corner because it was windy. It was January. Mm-hmm. And when I went to put the lighter to the joint, a fucking mailman put a gun to my head. And he goes, get on the floor. He goes, if you got more than 20 singles on you, I'm going to beat the fuck out of you. I got on the floor. I had 800. I had one 800. I probably had 740. And he goes, where'd you get this money from? He goes, and all of a sudden, cops started pulling up. And they were looking for people who were selling loose joints to kids two blocks away. So when they realized I lived in Jersey. And I had no idea. In those days, I didn't walk with an ID, dog. My word was my shit. No ID in those days. I threw away the ID. Fuck it. No ID. You want it? You're a cop. Figure it out, bitch. <laughs> the fuck? You're a fucking cop. You're a detective. Figure it out, bitch. And the cop told me, tell me the truth, your name. I told him the truth, and he put my finger in one of those things. That was the early technology. New York had like three vans that have that shit on it. A they, fingerprint thing? A yeah, scanner? and it came back Jose Diaz and Blast. They let me go. In fact, the cop took weed out of my bag, put it on the floor, and said, now it's nine grams. I, you could keep it, and I'll give you a ticket. And that was my first legitimate arrest. I got arrested for that in Manhattan. I did six months deferred sentence, and I moved to Colorado, and I had to write the guy a letter on the first and call him on the fifth, and they let me go. So they looked at your fingerprints, and they found your name for the... Quick, quick. And I was never... But you had in... never been arrested before. Never. So never. how were your fingerprints in the record? I had no fucking idea. Like I from didn't the ask... hospital, maybe? I have no idea. I didn't ask no questions. I want... That's interesting. I wonder if everybody's fingerprints... I mean, how... especially with, like, Apple. Like, that was one of the big things that people were worried about with the iPhone. They're, like, they're getting robbed already. They're going to get my fingerprints, man. Yeah, that Apple thing is fucking up already. Well, I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about the ability to, to use your fingerprint because you, you can get your fingerprint from this. Like, as you're, you're pressing it, right, it's, it's leaving your fingerprint, and that's how it recognizes your fingerprint. And the idea is that that all goes to a database. You know, we want to know if Joey Diaz touched anything with his finger. Well, look, let's look at the database. Oh, look, this, we got his fingerprint. It's right here. Run it. And so they have your fingerprint. At my school, they did it in middle school, yeah. where we all had to put our you? thumbprints down on both sides, and it was kind of like we we mm. learned about thumbprints, and we're like, where did that go? You know, we just yeah. I don't remember whether or not I did that, but I probably did. When I was a kid, PAL, I was a big PAL guy. If you weren't shit, if you if you didn't hang out at the police athletic league, you weren't shit. Really? Yeah. When I was a kid, I was too old. <laughs> Even when I came from Cuba, there was and they taught you how to play pool. 
they were fucking listen. They were just regular cops, and this was that. This was their job to get away from their wives. Honey, I'm with the PAL. Right. There's a bunch of Puerto Rican kids and a little Irish dirty kids, and what's well, a great way to pool. make a relationship with the cops? Too. I tell you what, bro. They it's took nice. me to fucking the, the precinct, and they let you shoot a gun. They kept you kept the target, you kept the bullet. They fingerprinted you. They took a picture of you, and you did. It was they took us on fucking basketball trips. They took us to Yankee Stadium. Oh, I had a great cool. relationship. But then in like the seventh grade, the eighth grade. Mr. Marino took us to fucking Detroit for a, a little bitty basketball tournament, and we found some guy in the street to buy us a case of beer, and it was all over with the fucking <laughs> shot and jack. That motherfucker said, it's over. We're not even playing a game. He drove us right back home. We didn't even get to play a game. Really? We drove there to get a case of beer, and we drove right back for eight hours, wow. right back to fucking Jersey. So no, I'm, a, I'm a PAL guy. I always was. So maybe that's how they got my fingerprint. So it was, was that the end of the relationship? With PAL, uh, no, I think I used to still go for it. wasn't where I grew up in Jersey, the PAL was geared more towards boxing. Mm. When I was in New York City, it was a it was a place that they had like a boxing, they had a pool table, they had uh, you know sodas and shit like that activities. Mm -hmm. You made like ceramics and shit uh, depending on your age. In Jersey, it was more Mr. Gamio. Mr. Gamio was a Cuban dude, and he ran the boxing program. And I knew his two sons, Julio and Caesar. They got me a job at Putnam Fuel. And they were like, listen, when you get the job, you got to rob. Putnam Fuel is right by Sea Caucus, off of Route 3. It's dirty. Truck people go in there. Dirty, Joe Rogan. <laughs> I lasted about three weeks before they fired me. But I left there, and after three weeks, the guy at night was a half a momo. His name was Freddie. Remember I was telling you this? So we robbed them one night. We go, listen, we'll just go on there and beat Freddie up. We were like sophomores in high school. We'll put masks on, me and Didi Cantero. And when he comes out, because in Jersey, you pay the gas guy. You don't go into a store. You know, they pump your gas. So if you rob the guy, you basically rob the joint. Do you follow me? Mm -hmm. Only Oregon and New Jersey is where the people pump your gas. Everybody right. else, you walk in with a card. So we were kids. We were like, let's rob fucked up Freddie. You know, when I worked there, I got to know Freddie. Freddie's wife looked like Honey Boo Boo's mother. <laughs> Freddie was a little guy, but Honey Boo, he, uh, his wife was like 400 pounds. And the only way she would let him fuck her is if he brought Blow home. And he was a skinny, tiny guy like Eddie Bravo. She was like 390. And she would actually put the bikini on. And they, they were such white trash. They lived in a studio apartment. They would rent the jacuzzi and put it in the living room. <laughs> These people were fucking. They lived on the third floor. They had a studio in your apartment. Oh my god! And, and it was it? the worst building in the neighborhood. <laughs> and they had Black Marlow. She was the only black girl in the neighborhood. Black Marlow. I don't know what Black Marlow is today, but she's the real Martin Luther King. She was the only black girl in a white neighborhood in Jersey. Dog. That girl took torture. Wow. She got tortured. I always loved Black Marlow though. Marlow was tight with me. Her mother was white. Something had happened. Her house was fucked up. That building was fucked up so i used to go with a selling blow and i remember freddie opening up the door and they were like a robe on and here's his fat wife and women with heels with a bikini on and he's like thank you for bringing it to me i'm gonna have like he really was like when you brought him the blow he was fucking thankful that you fucking like thank you man i'm gonna get some pussy tonight like she would not give me my hand job if he didn't have blow so finally <laughs> So finally, one day, me and Didi Cantero, we decided, let's go down there and rob this motherfucker oh. on a Saturday night. Let's wait till about midnight when he's got a grand on him. Because you, you don't drop till you get 2000 So every 2000 you make a drop in the floor safe, and you can't get back in there. So me and Didi went behind the building by Seacock, and it was right next to this hot dog place, Snappy Nappies. The rumor was that's where the Iceman killed somebody and put him in a tank. 
by Snappy Nappies. No, this is a real fucking area, Jersey. This is, and, and across the street was one of the biggest strip clubs on the East Coast. Not when I was there, Rob and Freddie. A couple of years after that, like the Army base. So you remember, if you lived in New York, they called this the Air Force base, some base or some shit. But when we were kids, we went there like at 12 and we took Freddie down, dog. We just tackled them and started like kicking them like... They kicked the, whatever his name is, in that De Niro movie in the bar. Mm -hmm. And we took his little purse and we ran away. And he guessed it. Like, it took him a week. He's like, did you guys rob me last night? Because we had masks on and shit. We're like, Freddie, it wasn't us. He's like, yes, it was. I heard your voices. Then he came back to us. He's like, listen, I'll let you rob me once a month. But you got to split the money with me so I can buy an eight ball to fuck my wife. <laughs> <laughs> so once a month, we go down there and give Steady Freddie a beating. And we kick the fuck out of him. <laughs> Just on principle. And he let you do it? Just yeah, so he, he wanted get, to. That's the only way the cops, you know, that's the only way right. the cops. And we did it like eight times. We so like, did you give him black eyes, bloody noses? Kicked him in the stomach a couple of times. That was it. We need him. Neon belly. I didn't even know what it was. There was no video back then either. No. No. Not so you had to leave marks on him. Yeah, you had to like kick him a few times. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I had too much of a heart, so I always had to hire. Like I had to bring like one of my crazy friends that was having a <laughs> <laughs> that was having like a bad week. Oh. There's a kid in Miami today that every oh time, God. every time I play South Florida, he shows up with his girlfriend and he gets fucked up and he tells the story when I knocked on his door with a, a diagram on how we were going to rob Freddie. And he goes, that's when I knew that you were fucking for real. He goes, I, I was eating dinner with my family. You knocked on the door and had a sketch like the deal, how you were going to kick him and run into the weeds and go right to the coke dealer's house. Like, I had it planned. We had done it so many times. But I had to keep getting different partners because I couldn't hit Freddie. All I could do was tackle him. I was good at tackling him. And then we went to go down and have my friend kick him a few times. It was fucking horrible. But when you're 16, Joe, what the fuck, though? You got to have a good time, you know? <laughs> you got to have a good time. If you're not going to kick oh. study Freddie, who are you going to kick? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> You're so right about the numbers. My grandmother loved the yes, numbers. Yes, that's big Italian. Big. Yeah. And the Sicilian end, they have dreams. Mm -hmm. They have yeah. dreams. The Vespa came mm -hmm. to them in the middle of the night. It's my grandmother. And told them to play 644. Yep. My grandmother would never not shut the fuck up about it. And then they give you a little note, and they fucking... And the Sicilians are almost or as bad as the Cubans. The old school Sicilians are very superstitious with the eyes. They make those fucking soups with the eye and shit. And I had fucking, uh, I had I had Sicilians in my neighborhood that I'm still very tight with. I still talk to her a lot, but even the way they spoke Italian scared you. <laughs> like the way they, the ferociousness in their fucking language, because they got beat up for years. The history of Sicily is a very fucking sad one, but it's so. Uh, you know, there's that expression, never fear Rome. The, snakes lie, the snake lies coiled in Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, the snake lies called in Naples. You know, nobody ever gave Sicily respect. They were like the bastard fucking child, you know. The kids I grew up with have blonde hair and blue eyes, which really puts it in doubt. You know, other people say that the Moors conquered Sicily and raped them and shit. And we discussed it till the night of the Vespers when all the men got up and cut their dicks off and shit. That's why it's very... What happened? If you look it up on Wikipedia, Night of a Thousand Vespers or something. Look it up, guys. Let's get this facts right. Night of a Thousand Vespers? The Moors were torturing the Sicilians in the 1400s, torturing them, 1500s. And they were fucking raping their women. And one night the Sicilians got together and fucking couldn't take them no more. And they got up in the middle of the night and they killed these motherfuckers, but they cut their dicks off and shoved them in their fucking mouths. 
And that's why Sicilians are very sensitive when it comes to the issue of rape. They, they can't. They can't because it's in their DNA. Like, they can't. Wow. They got raped. They got slaughtered. It's in their fucking thing. These Moors. The Moors are who? Like, crazy black people from Africa that fucking left I, Egypt? I think they are from Africa. Yeah, that's from mm. Africa, the Moors. Guys, yeah. what the fuck? I mean, that was the, yeah. the whole premise of that scene in um, uh, True Romance. The Sicilian Vespers. The name given to a successful rebellion on the island of Sicily that broke out on the Easter of 1282 against the rule of the French Capetian king Charles I. Yeah, I was wrong. Who had ruled the king of Sicily since 1266. Within six weeks, 3,000 French men and women were slain by the rebels. The rebels. And the government of King Charles lost control of the island. It was the beginning of the War of the Sicilian Vespers. Hmm. And it gets go down, but it gets even the, the Moors. Once you get to the Moors, Sicilian unrest. That's a fucked up country. That's like Cuba. So they fucking sank their belief in the Catholicism religion, but a little more, like most people. That's my people. Yeah, no, a little more than most people. They really believe, and they put the maluk on you, and I hope you fucking die. And they spit on themselves. Uh. You know, my mom couldn't say cancer without spitting on herself. What the. <laughs> Somebody would say cancer, my mom would, and she'd fucking spit <laughs> on herself. That's so disgusting. She'd spit on her. Now I so do it. Disgusting. I do it all the time now. People talk about cancer. <laughs> I'm by myself. I spit on myself. And shit. It's so weird. That was my grandmother. My grandmother was so crazy, man. My grandmother went to jail because she wouldn't rat out the, the mob because she was running numbers. My That's grandmother bad. was running numbers. We, she went to jail for six months. We'd always be like, where's grandma? Oh, she's with Aunt Annie. Where's grandma? She's with Aunt Marie. Like, why is she with Aunt Marie? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Then one day, when I was like 20, they told me. <laughs> you know, Grandma was in jail, right? And I was like, what? <laughs> she was crazy. She had a monkey named Chi-Chi. The monkey lived in the, in the <laughs> attic. My grandmother was off the charts crazy. She was very Newark? artistic. Newark? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, Chi-Chi fucking hated everybody, except my grandma. My grandma would feed this monkey gum. The, gum, the monkey would take a stick of gum, unwrap the gum, and start chewing gum in front of you. The monkey knew that it was gum. It didn't try to eat it. It just chewed it, like you would chew gum. The monkey would sit there and chew fucking gum. He would, eat, he would peel bananas in front of you, but you would come near him when he was with her, he would bite your fucking face. Like, no one could come near Chi-Chi. She was the only one. So this like crazy lady had a monkey in her base or in her attic. So we would come over to hang out with my grandmother. She'd make homemade pasta. They would make homemade sauce from the tomatoes that my grandfather grew. Those Jersey beefsteak tomatoes. He always had a garden. My grandfather always had he always had a big fucking fenced in garden in his back. Like he was growing all kinds of things. He would tell you how to grow. He was very meticulous about it. Like he was really invested in this garden. And they would take the tomatoes, they would make fresh tomato sauce, my grandmother would make fresh homemade pasta. It was fucking sensational. The food was sensational. I mean, my grandmother's homemade pasta has a, a taste that, like, to this day, I don't, I don't think I've ever experienced it anywhere else before. Because you can get really good homemade pasta at a restaurant, you can get really good homemade pasta, you know, at a, at a nice place. Or some, some folks know how to make it. But when you're getting it from someone who's, like, literally making it in the same way that the, the original immigrants. It's very different than the way Italians make it. The Italians in North America have a very different style of, of food and of cooking with red sauce. You know, like that's not as, that was not as popular in Italy as it was in America. All this pasta and meatballs, spaghetti and meatballs, these are American Italian dishes. dishes. Yes. 
And my grandmother was a master at those. Oh, my God. She would make these fucking meatballs. You would walk in the house, and they'd be cooking. You'd hear the crackling. And the meat, she'd be like, good fucking Lord. She would cook them on a frying pan. Just get these motherfuckers perfect and crackling. And then she would cook them in the sauce for hours. That sauce would just bleep, bleep, bleep. Blip, just simmering for hours. She would check it, stick a wooden spoon in there, put that fucking lid right back on and walk away. She knew when it was done. And you would have this fucking Italian food. It was just so ridiculous. So ridiculous. But it's, they've been Americanized, but if you go to some homes, like I, there was a home in my neighborhood, they were very nice people, and the grandmother always cooked, and her dishes were never red sauce. They were always based with pasta with beans, which I love. I love chicken oh, pasta. Yeah. I love pasta fazool, that spinach. Yeah. Listen, there's no better meal for you as a health thing. I don't give a fuck. How come some people say pasta fazool and some pasta people fagioli. say pasta fazool? Because fagioli. Uh, they go to Olive Garden. Right? What is the right way to no, say it? I don't know. I don't know. Because my, my family always say pasta fazool. Pasta fazool. But and, what is but, pasta fagioli? That's the same I, thing? I don't know how it breaks Is down. it a dialect thing? It's got that stuff and it's not spinach it's something else is there the different dishes uh i'm not it's, I think it's the same dish yeah, i think it's gyro euro honestly i think it's everybody uh, yeah everybody has it you know somebody's pasta fazool is completely different than well how about ones. like uh, if, if you go to whole foods it's completely different than when i go to my friends in jerseys it's a thicker stock it's got the spinach with uh with the beans mm -hmm. and the little fucking pastas in it and they freeze it, and that's where the strength comes in. It's like a, it gets stronger and stronger, and that garlic. And in the winter, that's what they offer you. But that's poor map. See, the Italians were very poor. Yeah. So all their dishes are based around really potato, beans, and pasta. Like, and bread. And bread. Bread and was bread. big. My grandfather used to go to this bread store that was uh, a bakery that was down the block. We would walk down the block on North 9th Street. We'd go about two blocks down, and we'd walk into this old-school Italian bakery that, you know, it's since 1926, some shit like that, on the, on the sign. And you would get basically the same kind of bread every day, and it's sensational. Had fucking real Italian bread from New York, New Jersey, like that area, from the immigrants. Holy shit, was it good. And you it didn't just thick, get bread. Thick you... brown crust, oh. cut that motherfucker with a serrated knife, and it's just so, it's just delicious. Like, you don't get bread like that out here for some reason. And if it was a good day, the motherfucker was making Zeppelis, oh. and you bought 10 of them, and the Ooh. bag would leak with oh the sugar God. on it. And on the way oh. home, you'd be inhaling bread and fucking Zeppelis, and mm. nobody gained a pound. Nobody was allergic <laughs> to gluten. There was nothing. <laughs> People were rubbing Zeppelis on their fucking faces, because I was one of them. Let me tell you what, what meal I discovered, like, at 12 in an Italian house. Fucking cannoli from Hoboken. Carmine would go to Hoboken and pick up cannolis. The guy would only make 16 of them on Fridays. So you had another guy. He only gave wow. you four. That type of shit. Like their family was that type of shit. Hoboken's very Italian. What happened to Hoboken was like anywhere else. We don't want to live in Hoboken no more. We're going to move to, you know, Jersey City. So all those areas got a taste of Hoboken. But all that northern New Jersey shit, that's all Hoboken at the end of the fucking day.
Those are years and years of Italians that were in Hoboken, you know, working on the trains and all that shit. You know, Hoboken, when we, if you ever saw Hoboken in the 80s, it was a fucking dive. You would go to Fort Street, all that shit, you get mugged down there. They were fucking around. When Bob Dubois and all those guys, Armando Arribas, were running fucking basketball down there. You went, I used to take a bus to Hoboken to play basketball. And bro, you had to guard that fucking ball. You had to watch your hooded sweatshirt. They would jack your shit, though. But I knew the benders down there, and I used to go down there, and I used to go to a place down there that had that bread mm. with the point. Oh, yeah. Because it's not round at the right. end. That's, no. that's, that's the shit you see now. Well, sometimes the end, they would get round loaves, too. Oh, my God. Sometimes they have those round that loaves. Fucking, that fucking, the top of the witch's hat, mm -hmm. you take that motherfucker off and put a, put a piece of hotel bar butter in that motherfucker and let it melt. Good googly moogly. You feel your heart beating. No, and the Zeppelis, no, no, you'll never see that again. Yeah. I think that there's still part to the city, and uh, somebody, one of those guys, I think Anthony Bourdain, went to Brooklyn a few weeks ago, and he went to one of those places that had Zeppelis, somebody. And Bourdain went into this one, there's like a, an Italian deli that serves lunch. They'll serve like pasta with red sauce and a meatball, and the place has been under the same family's ownership since the 1800s. Some crazy like that. And this guy who was running it was a little boy. He's, a, he's an old man. He was a little boy when he started working there. And so Bourdain sh is showing these pictures of him, these old school black and white pictures of him in this place. And now here he is running it. It's crazy. Like those, those, that's like a direct connection to the people that came over on those boats. That's, that's wild shit, man. I don't think about it too much, but when I do, my grandparents were both born in other countries. They were both born in Italy. And my grandfather on my father's side was born in Ireland. My grandmother on my father's side was born in Italy. They were all immigrants, all of them. They all came over in a wave in the 20s and 30s. And they, they survived the fucking Great Depression. They were a different kind of human being. They're different kinds of human beings than we are today. So much so. The, the metamorphosis of the human race from the time that people came over on boats to what we are today it's it's bananas. I mean, it's it's almost like one of the biggest leaps of of like of like a culture changing like in a rapid way. Like the human beings of today, in comparison to the human beings of, you know, name and make a number a hundred years ago. You know, because my grandparents, it's basically almost a hundred years before they came over here. It's crazy. That's a crazy world they lived in, Joey. They didn't even have a video of what the United States looked like. And they had the balls to get in a boat with kids and come across the ocean. It was supposed to be a better life. And it was. You know, and what people don't know, there's an episode of The Sopranos when he explains how uh, they all came to a neighborhood. Remember, there's a beautiful episode. And he goes, oh, when they tried to buy the eggs. Remember, they tried to buy the store where they had eggs on the corner. And he goes, let me tell you something. He goes, we came here, my family came here 80 years ago. And we all moved to a neighborhood. That's what families did. So all the Rogans mm -hmm. would live on third. Yeah. Every Rogan, cousin, you know, they weren't all Rogans. Yeah. Uh, whatever they are, Regalanos, they were all well, No, my, my grandfather's name was Rogan. Rogan. Yeah. So they all moved into an area. And then when they got, he said, he goes, then they went up to Guinea Gulch. He goes, and they all went to Broomfield. And he goes, you know, this is the only place in the neighborhood that you could still go and get chicken eggs. Not those fucking supermarket eggs. He goes, I can't sell it to you. 
And, and it was all those neighbors, whether it's Hoboken, uh, Brooklyn, you know, all those Canarsie, those Italian people came over. They lived nine to an apartment. Yeah. You know, and you know what really uh, mm. saddens you? That those people that came over never got to see the fruits of their labor. Mm -hmm. They never got to see what their great grandson did or what. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, In a way, yeah. But they did. I mean, they, I think they got to see the world change. You know, anybody that came over from the 1920s and went through World War II, you got to see some goddamn crazy change in the world, you know? And I think back then, too, a greater sense that the good guys won. You know, right now, the line's kind of blurry in the United States. Back in the 1940s, after we won World War II and it was over, and they, ha they show people, like, kissing in the streets, you're not going to see that shit again. That's, we don't have the same enthusiasm about war as they did then because back then they really thought there was good guys and bad guys. It was real simple. There was Nazis back then. There was kamikazes back then. There was crazy, methed-up Japanese dudes were flying planes into fucking boats. They attacked Pearl Harbor. They, gave, they didn't give a fuck. This was a dangerous time. So when, 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 Japan, won, <clears throat> when Japan signed and after they bombed Hiroshima and Nagasaki, when they eliminated those fucking cities, and Japan signed the truce agreement, or whatever the fuck it was, that was, everybody was, it was over. Like, we had won. Like, people were happy as fuck back then. So they went through that, which is a pretty crazy time. They went from the time of no movies to movies. That's a crazy time. They went to see movies. They were like one of the first. Well, their generation was the first to have televisions. Like, they saw TV for the first time when there was no TV before them. So no one had ever had TV before So them. when people returned home from World War II, were they treated the way they, when people came back from Vietnam? No. At totally the airport, different. spit on and totally called them fucking... Baby killer and all that shit. When did that fucking thing start? When was it fucking good to go to an airport after a war and, and, and spit at people who went over there? You have a fucking opinion about somebody who went over there and actually put his life up, whether he knew or not what the fuck he's going on? You're 18 fucking years old. I think when in World War II, didn't they take if you were 30 fucking five? They didn't give a fuck, right? Or World War One. I? I one of those fucking wars. I don't know if anybody really did spit on anybody and call him baby killer. Yes, they, they did. They the did some. They the hippies. It was all the hippies. hippies Make love, not war. Sure, but, but there was a that was a part of the thing that someone refuted about the Chris Kyle story because Chris Kyle said that that happened to him. Someone called him a baby killer, and he was saying that this is all like what he's doing. He's repeating something that someone else had. Made. I, I need to look into it more. But for sure, they were treated like a lot of people thought the Vietnam War was a bad idea. It, they didn't think it was the same is the way they thought of World War II. World War II was like a war that everybody kind of agreed had to happen. There was a crazy guy in Germany that was taking over the world and he was killing Jews. He killed millions of fucking people. Then there was the Japanese that were in on it together somehow. I mean, it didn't even make any sense. They don't even speak the same language. They're in cahoots. So it was the Japanese and then there was the fucking Americans and the Russians were involved and like fucking Christ. So when that was over, those people had experienced some gigantic change. They, they felt like probably made sense that they came over here they came over to the baddest fucking team ever you know and everybody was like a part of it when when you see that celebration everybody's kissing in the streets and everything after the uh, Japanese surrendered that's a that's a powerful iconic slice of like that embodies like what that time meant to a lot of people that shit doesn't happen now so they I think they experienced a lot of pretty cool shit they experienced a lot of goddamn change and the, what we're living right now, I mean, is an amazing as this world is right now. 
if we keep going at the same rate, I think 100 years from now, people are going to look back at this time and go, look at these silly fucks. God damn, these people were suffering. They still got colds. You know, they still had to worry about losing weight. They still had to worry about, you know, getting enough sleep. Like, they were worried about their health. Like, these poor fuckers, if they got the flu, they had to stay home. Like, there's going to be some shit 100 years from now that's going to just fix everything anytime anything's wrong. There's not going to be, there's not going to be any more health concerns. Our concern is going to be making sure that we don't have too many people on the earth. That's going to be our number one concern in like 100 years. But it's the things that we look at now and we think, God, I couldn't imagine living like they lived in the 1920s. Fuck. That little stupid-ass TV. That little tiny-ass black-and-white TV that was the size of a laptop and it was in a cabinet that looked like a fucking gun safe. You remember those stupid things? Mm -hmm. Giant-ass cabinets with this little stupid screen that was black-and-white. And a record player on top, mm -hmm. and it would lift, the whole thing would lift up on top, oh and you had, like, the speakers <laughs> built into the TV it. in the middle with the controls over here that you had to lift up, yeah. mm -hmm. and over here was the record player. So you had a switch TV, the stereo, and then the speakers were over here, and they both came in. Jesus. <laughs> those things are cool. That's what I watched Superman on for my first time as a kid. I remember watching it on TV on one of those. I watched a lot of fucking Yankee games with my grandfather's. And you know what they would do when the TV would go bad? They'd put a smaller TV on top of it. Yeah, they didn't want to get rid of the cabinet because so, the cabinet was so nice. And then TV started becoming smaller. They became like a plastic box, like a shitty kind of plastic box. So they take that shitty plastic box, put it right on top of the other fucking TV. <laughs> like, everybody did that. Everybody had a TV on top of the broken TV. My mom put a TV on top of the other TV so she could see the Mets and the Yankees at the same time. That's how my mom did it. They're Cuban. They love their baseball. She loved the That's Mets, hilarious. but she would love, like, when we was playing the Yankees or whatever, so. She was the original sports bar. Yeah, at the house, though. At your house, but she at was the, the original house. sports yeah. bar. You go to a sports bar, you're overwhelmed by the amount of different games that are going on at once. But I also remember the fights I saw at her bar. Like, at her bar, I saw... It was, I got an education that I don't remember a lot of those fights. You'd have to tell me. But I saw all the great fights that were on ABC Sports oh, yeah. at that bar when they'd fight in the afternoons, 4.30 mm -hmm. in the afternoons on Saturday. I still remember. This is how fucking old I am. Uh, I did a scam fall with these Jews, with Cy Lawrence, this fucking Jew in Jersey, where he, for years, he used to bother me. Listen, if you ever need any money, we'll sue somebody. And what he would do is in the daytime, he'd go around and look for holes and inconsistency in supermarkets and shit. And he'd set up the whole thing for you. All you had to do was fall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's so crazy. <clears throat> the guy was a genius. They paid him. The major colleges and some pro football teams paid him. And he would fly out and scout other teams. That's how much of a genius he was. Wow. But he was, he was a, what do you call those people that's a, a, not dunce. Eddie always says those people, they're good at, they're only good at one thing. Idiot savant? Idiot savant. He was, I mean, he was missing a tooth. His shorts had pee on him. <laughs> he lived in a garage, okay, because every dollar he spent was a degenerate gamble. Oh. But that's, that's what he did. He went around in the daytime looking for holes and shit. He's like, what, what do you want? What do you need? 20? Geez, I'll make it 20. Listen, we go to the supermarket. I'll knock over the, the applesauce. You fall down and stay down till I give you the nod, all right? You start yelling and screaming, then you pass out. And when the lady comes over, he had the whole scam. The next day he picked you up. He took you to the attorney's office. He took you to the hospital. He took you to the chiropractor's office. 
He took you to everywhere you had to be. And his philosophy is he got you with as many doctors as he could. You had to quit your job. You got to quit your day job because wow. all he did was make appointments for you and everybody was in on the scam. So in his world, the more, the higher your doctor bills, you got 10 times that. So if your doctor bills are like fucking, or, or something like that, if your doctor bills were half a million, he could get you 100,000, 200,000. You know, like if you lost a finger, he had the whole menu. Or you need 60,000, give me a finger. You know, fuck it, let's lose a finger on a tub and shit like that. He was that crazy. Wow. So I remember I had to go to a chiropractor. He'd tell me, that's how he sold it. You want to make money, you got to punch in. So you got to go to all those doctors every day and take the treatment. And the doctors have to give you the treatment, even though they know it's a scam. They're in on it. Wow. So that I remember going to, to the chiropractor. He would put those laser beams on me, mm -hmm. those pads on my back, and just walk out of the room and then come back. But the, I went up there the day... Boom Boom Mancini killed the Korean guy. It was on Wide World of Sports on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. And I remember that it was like time stopped. <clears throat> like the phone was ringing at the chiropractor's office and nobody was answering. That's how much of an intense fight this was. Like the people came out from behind the counter and it was on regular TV. Mm -hmm. I think Fox had just come in. Fox wasn't still around. I don't think it was around yet. No. No, that was like ABC Wide World of Sports, 83, right? 83. What year did Fox come around? It was when I, I was in high school. Seven. So when I was in high school, the Simpsons. They had uh, The Simpsons and America's Most Wanted. 80, 80, so 88. 86? No shit. 86. Okay, so I was out of high school. Wow. So it must have been when I was still living at home. This, I remember The Simpsons. I mean, that was when, didn't Fox start with The Simpsons? Yeah. Tracy Ullman show. The Tracy Ullman show. When did The Simpsons? Since 1989. Tracy Ullman had The Simpsons or in it. It was like really horrible animation in the Tracy Allman show oh. and remember the Simpsons looked all weird and they all looked messed up I like, don't really remember my my, I'm, I'm, the, my memory of that is foggy as shit but I do remember watching those fights on ABC Wide World of Sports you know they had uh, NBC had boxing on a Friday night recently they had world champion or maybe Saturday but uh, Adrian Broner versus uh, John Molina and then they had um, what's the other fight uh, Keith Thurman versus um, Robert Guerrero. It's good fights, but they went the distance. Both of them went the distance. When you're watching um, boxing on regular TV, it feels weird. It's like, whoa, it's boxing on TV again. Like It's been off of regular TV for a long-ass time. I think that uh, that's one show they should bring back. I think that was my first Discovery Channel, was Wild World of Sports. That was one of the most interesting shows when I was growing up because you didn't know what you were going to watch. Right. Sometimes and I, like, mm -hmm. I don't think Wild World of Sports would last in a bar today like or even then because every once in a while they'd have like ballet from China <laughs> or like Hong Kong and people would go ape shit. But I still remember watching Aaron Banks uh, karate championships on Wild World of Sports and as a kid I used to go to the garden to watch this uh, but uh, his big closer was the guy who they put a mirror in front of and they'd shoot at him with a twenty-two, and he'd put a mouthpiece in his mouth, and he'd catch the bullet. Come really? on, guys, hit YouTube. I've fuck, heard the guys doing fuck that. Fuck yeah. Because that's a trick, though, right? I, I Listen, I'd love to fucking tell you no. I think, he, I'm pretty sure that's a fucking it, trick. I think He 100%. catches it, and then he spits the bullet out in yeah, the frying pan, and smoke comes out of the fucking bullet. Yeah. I, I don't know, you know, but that was his main thing. I mean, right. It's some sort of a trick. How do you practice? I mean, that, that was what I always wanted to know. Where the fuck do they have a practice here? Eat bullets. Who's going to let you come over and you shoot at him with a 22? They start by throwing grapes in his mouth. 
Are you fucking crazy? Right. A grape and a bull is two different bodies. I know, but you got to start slow. Oh, my God. Build Who up your biting speed? That. That's how I used to figure happen. it out. Nobody could just, just do it one time. You got to practice that shit and, so and tell the timing and fucking bam and know when to twist and yeah, shit. Yeah, that's a carny trick. And if they did do it, there's got to be some bodies involved. Like We got to do a documentary on it. Yeah. Where are the bodies of the people who tried to catch bullets with their teeth? Like. That's Let's not try the shotgun this time. Let's just try a regular gun. Let's just try a regular twenty-two or a BB gun or something. Well, they definitely have killed people accidentally in those like stupid like magic trick stunts. It's definitely happened. It's definitely happened. I know. I've read it. I've read stories about people dying doing crazy magic experiments. When you're trying to like really push the limits, you got a lot of variables involved. One could go wrong. Next thing you know, your fake gun. Like, like when Brandon Lee died. He died on a set of a movie in a special effects scene. They shot him with a, 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 a fake gun, a gun with blanks, but there was some piece of a shell or something that was still in the chamber of the gun, and that shot into him. You know what that was? <coughs> what? The triads got him. Do you think so? You really do? You know those people? They're Sicilian, dog. Listen, you know what? I'm going to kill you and your fucking son. Really? And they really did think it. that's what it is? Because I had heard that he died, that Bruce Lee died from some sort of an allergic reaction to a drug or... Listen, he, he was doing... He did three or four movies with these fucking heroin fucking salesmen. They invested $6,000 and they fucking went to the bank and said they made millions. Nobody knows how much Enter the Dragon made. Nobody knows. It's 42 years in, correct? Right. 80, 90, it's 42 years in. See what that made worldwide the first week. You know how many fucking copies Enter the Dragon are out there? That's Raymond Chow. After fucking Raymond Chow went into business with, with the studios, and he made Enter the Dragon. I don't know if he, it was Raymond Chow or the other guy, Sterling Silhouette or one of those fucking guys. After Bruce Lee died, is when Raymond Chow really fucking blew up. And he was a heroin fucking guy, too. I mean, he ended up, he ended up what did he own? Chow Chow, what was his name? Run Run Chow. Run Run Chow Studios. They ended up doing Charles Bronson movies and Clint Eastwood movies and shit. They gave him a cut of the action somewhere or another. Wow. This is, uh, this is crazy. It says he died from a cerebral edema. Right. And Some Chinese guy could tell you anything. Listen, my father died of a cocaine heroin <laughs> overdose, a heroin overdose. They told him he died of a heart attack, and they never signed the death certificate. Where's that doctor today? I guarantee he got hit by a bus two weeks fucking later after he signed that cerebral hibernator. But that guy died two weeks later <laughs> in a fucking building fire. He couldn't oh. get out of the fucking elevator. This is what it says here. Around the time, I mean, obviously... When someone's writing something in Wikipedia decades after the fact, who knows? Who knows wh how much of this He went is to bullshit. some chick's house. Off the it bat, says, he was adultering. They paid that chick to bring him over, and that's where they fucking whacked him. It says, around the time of Lee's death, numerous rumors appeared in the media. Lee's iconic status and unlikely demise fed many wild rumors and theories. These include murder involving the triads and a supposed curse on him and his family. There There's you also, go. Also, Both the ones I tell you. What the fuck? Who do you think you're Bruce dealing with? Bruce Lee used electrical muscular stimulation that may have exacerbated or resulted in his condition. That doesn't make any sense. So what they're saying is his conclusion, David uh, Tier, a forensic scientist uh, recommended by Scotland Yard, who had overseen a thousand autopsies, was assigned to the case. His conclusion was death by misadventure caused by an acute cerebral edema to a reaction uh, to compounds present in the combination medication Equigesic. I don't know what that shit is. A pain reliever or for a headache or something like that. Mm. So all the sidekicks he took to the fucking head and all the aspirins he took in China never affected him until that fucking night. 
when he went to Madame Chu's fucking house. I mean, he died with a stain because he was actually in bed with her. Mm. He was in her bed. I mean, a bunch of stories changed to make him look bad at the end. When he left uh, those people to do Enter the Dragon, he pissed off a lot of people, man. He was making them a lot of fucking money. Well, you know what? Apparently, he was already having seizures. There was a doctor, a neurosurgeon, who treated uh, Bruce Lee during his first seizure in May of 1973. He was eating hash to fucking come down from the pain. He was one of the first people that figured out that hashish was... What's, what's Advil? When you take it, what's Advil? Uh, ibuprofen. No. What's it really do to you besides kill pain? What's the other it's, a, it's called a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. Hash is an anti-inflammatory. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And marijuana. So Bruce Lee figured it out first. Bruce Lee used to eat hash after fucking working out to, to reduce the thing. He would have died a long fucking... His brain would have swelled a long time ago. That guy died in the height. Guys, nobody... Right now, right now... There's not too many people to remember the day he died. I mean, first of all, nobody even heard the day he died because news didn't travel that fast. There was no internet. We got it like two days later that he died. And I remember half of America was walking around fucking wounded, and I was one of those people. And I didn't believe it because he was fucking healthy as shit. He was flying through the air. He was making it fucking happen. But he went back to China, and God knows what they did to him over there, dog. And we'll never know. His uh, a preliminary opinion. Uh, this is really interesting. Of doctor, pre preliminary opinion of Doctor Peter Wu, the neurosurgeon who treated Lee during his first seizure, uh, was that the cause of death should have been attributed to either a reaction to cannabis or equagesic. Cannabis, like his fucking. This is how you know it's bullshit. His doctor is telling him that it might have been weed. Very potent. The poly hash killed Bruce Lee. I told you he was a hash. That's head. hilarious. He discovered it first. Listen, there used to be cookies at Cushmart that whatever you ate, whatever you ate during the week was good. But when the, he used to have these cookies that were oatmeal infused with hash oil, and guys, that was when I first started my diet when I was 418 pounds. And I couldn't walk how sore in my ankles. And I would eat two of those hash cookies. And the next day, my ankles would be like a fucking toothpick. The fucking hash would reduce everything. I wouldn't even feel it. Bent over rows, nothing. My back. Hash is the best. It's amazing. And so he was fucked up, Joey. Okay, this is, a f this is a fact. He had a ruptured disc in his back. That don't He's, kill uh, Someone had given him... Uh, yeah, but this is one of the reasons why he was taking all kinds of different shit to try to deal with the, uh, with the pain. And he'd already had seizures. So he had seizures, he had a ruptured disc in his back, and he was getting medicated. The seizure they explained, shit. the seizure they're talking about is the shit they tried to throw in, into the, in, the, in the biography about him. That he would go away. Like he would go away. Like he would go away and you'd have to say, Joe, Joe, Joe. Oh, sorry. But the doctor is saying seizure. It says neurosurgeon treated him for his first seizure. It's the same guy that says that pot might have killed him, too, though. So so I don't go. believe nothing out of China. And I love Chinese people, and I love their theories and stuff. You just think they killed him, huh? They killed him. They killed that boy. Chuck Norris said that his death was uh, a reaction between the muscle relaxant medication that he'd been taking since 1968 for a ruptured disc. So he was taking that the ruptured disc shit for a long time because hey, hey, hey. he died in 73. Keith Richards is still alive. But he's not getting kicked in the head, either. It don't. Keith Richards, how many times do you think he fell downstairs? <laughs> All right? Come on, Joe Rogan. How many times do you think Keith Richards fell down the stairs? You think you look like that because... He, he seems like the type of dude that would be able to figure out a way to land guy, correctly. This fucking guy went into... Listen, Joe Rogan, when you're fucking with that type of environment, you fuck with them. You could kill their mother and they don't give a fuck. When you hit their pocket, 
they don't deal with that shit. The Chinese, listen, the, the mafia concept was stolen from the triads. They're still, they're the smartest guys in the world. They still move, they're probably at war with the government from who, who's bringing the, or the heroin in. They brought heroin in for years. Not one DEA case, not one DEA case that goes hung mo ling for heroin has ever been caught on smuggling. They're geniuses, they pay everybody. These guys, when it comes to their paper, they don't fuck around. In 1985, they got sick and tired of giving the mafia pounds of heroin for $50,000. The mafia was cutting it 10 times, making a half a million on a, a $50,000 investment. They got sick and tired of the Chinese. Go to, go to fucking, go to fucking uh, uh, whatever now. See how small little Italy is. Who do you think took it from them? The Chinese. They don't fuck around, dog. They don't fuck around. I don't They're like to believe. There. They're still out there, these motherfuckers. When you go to Wyoming, why is there a Chinese restaurant there? You think Chinese people like Wyoming? No, they stayed after the fucking the railroads, and then they got cut in on the fucking heroin trade. How do you think the heroin gets to Wyoming? Through fucking white people in envelopes? Fuck no. It's those Chinese people. I don't really believe that. That's a, that's a joke. But... Uh, I, I, when I was a kid, I heard a lot of stuff about the Chinese. Well, I don't want. I don't like to believe crazy conspiracy theories. But if I was going to believe anyone, I would believe that the Chinese mob would kill you if you somehow or another fucked them out of money. I mean, that's that's one that then, seems like. And then let's go. All right, they made him famous too, right? I mean, he wasn't famous before he was, those movies. He was famous. He was before famous, those movies, dog. By the time he hit Chinese Connection, I still remember the two hand punch. The two-hand punch in the school was on the fucking commercial. We're watching Happy Days, bitch. We're sitting around 20 fucking Puerto Rican kids with robes on at a Catholic school with pajamas on, ready to go to bed. And all of a sudden they go, this Friday, come into the movie theater. Play the trailer from the Chinese Connection, Jamie. Play the fucking trailer. I want <laughs> Is it a trailer? Play the fucking trailer from Did the Chinese Connection. Did they make trailers connection. back then? Yes. You got to see the one from the <laughs> French Connection. You got to see the one from the mechanic. Ooh. 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 Hard Times has a phenomenal trailer. Hard Times, had, they had trailers, but it was uh, the voice before this times. voice. It was the voice before this voice. And he was a little meaner type of guy, so they didn't play it at children's hours. But I still remember the best trailer of all time is The French Connection. As they're shooting him in the back, as he's going up the train, and Gene Hackman goes, freeze, it's Popeye, and shoots him in the back, and they he, he locked it. And it said, filmed in New York, where it happened. Look at the fucking, look at the trailer for Chinese Connection and shit. A golden presentation. Wow. Bruce Lee is the real superstar in the wake of his... What do you do if you're success? eight right now? Watch this. What do you do if you're eight? Dig it. Bam, 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 Nobody bam. Nobody can touch Right him. here. What do you do when you're eight? You lose, fuck Buffy. Watch here. Watch this. Look at this. Bam! Are you fuck? You lose your fucking mind. <laughs> fuck Godzilla. <laughs> fuck Clint Eastwood. This was the first Clint Eastwood. He look went back to China. Throwing people through the fucking air with each hand. Look at this. This was the trailer. This is when they killed his teacher. Look at him. That's the opening. Look at look at young. This is a movie you have to watch. This is one of the greatest movies of all time. He had fucking Steve McQueen in his ear on the phone telling him what to do. And it's all dubbed. It wasn't even his voice because they didn't like the way he talked. Look at this guy. He kills this motherfucker. Hangs him. That's how angry he was in this movie. 
So I was like, Bobby, let me kill him. Watch this. This is what he made him eat the glass. This is tremendous. But down. But down. Attack him. Everybody wanted to be Bruce Lee he back then. He bust out the new Chucks in this movie. Oh, yeah. He didn't bust them out in Fist of Fury, which became Chinese Connection. He busted them out in this one. That's when he made them eat the fucking glass. That's when he hung two of the people. That's when he killed the first Russian. <laughs> Come on now. Who the fuck do you think you're dealing with? He does a move in that movie, Doug, that is so sensational. His anger. You know, he started hanging motherfuckers. Don't be hanging. That's Clint Eastwood type shit. And hang him high. And we got to check the <laughs> dates. Maybe Clint Eastwood robbed them. Of course he did. This is the horror But everybody that was hanging people back then. Even the Chinese fucking people had to add a chick to the fucking drama to see if they got the other Look trailer. This. See if they got the other really good trailer. And he notice how he has to make out with the Chinese chick, too. <laughs> the would they have movies back then where a Chinese guy would make out with a white girl on film? Did they ever, ever have movies like that back then? I know. Enter the Dragon. Jimmy Lee fucked a Chinese chick. <laughs> right, James? James Kelly? What was his name? What was the Jim Kelly? Jim Kelly. Jim Kelly fucked that. Remember, he, he had like eight of them sent to his room. John Saxon with the wig. Is there another Do you remember before? Chuck Norris versus Bruce Lee? Yeah, let's watch that real quick. That's that's sensational. That's, yeah, see if you can find Chuck Norris versus Bruce Lee. That came on HBO, and my head almost blew up. <laughs> I made my mother get me HBO when the Groove Tube came on because the chicks ran through the jungles with tits. <laughs> the Groove Tube is cousins with Kentucky Fried Movie. What is it? I've never even heard of oh it. Kentucky God. Fried Movie? No, the, the, the Groove. The Groove Tube is. The Groove Tube. Groove Tube is Saturday Night Live before Saturday Night Live. They made two movies called The Groove Tube and Kentucky Fried Chicken. Kentucky Douglas, Fried Movie. Kentucky Fried Movie. I saw a Kentucky Fried Movie. Oh, shit. Look at look this. Look at this. This is the game, though. That's the game. God damn. Look, Chuck Norris taking off his black belt. Look how young he is. Yep. Bruce Lee. This is a gay porn. Look how slowly they're unrobing. <laughs> no, this is the game. And this look at how. Game. Look at Charles Nor Chuck Norris's chest. Charles Norris. Look at his chest. It's all hairy and shit before dudes figured out shaving your chest. When you see this and then you don't like wrestling, what do you think the big difference is? Like, uh, you know. It's a movie, motherfucker. This is, this is, this is, <laughs> that's it. That's I'm not going to see a play. This was huge. Brian, this was. Fucking, look how ripped Bruce Brian, Lee was. Brian, this you was forget. something that you cannot imagine. This was. Every nerd had a hero. Every Don't immigrant had up. a hero. Look, Everybody had a hero. Don't Look at the kitten. Look at the fucking kitten. Everybody had. That place has a million <laughs> cats on there, the Roman Coliseum, though. Dude, look what he's look doing. He's him. warming up. They're both warming up. They're doing kata to warm up for their fight. This They're not is, even looking at each other. This is the craziest fucking this is scene fucking ever. This tremendous shit, man. Look at this. America has to put these four movies on and realize why. Stop telling. Bruce Lee changed my life. You only saw one fucking movie. You got to see all four. Forget the game of death with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That's a horror show. Just watch this one. Look at this. Dude, That's what he does. When he meows is when the fight starts. Look at him, dog. He had like 6% body fat at this time. This guy wasn't going to die, Joe Rogan. People like this don't die. Don't fucking insult me. He didn't die. They killed this poor little kid. But this is really fascinating. I've never seen a movie that I re recall where two guys warmed up like this before a fight. But After that's... But that's it's fascinating how they just don't even look at each other. They move away. They go in their own little fucking world for a while. And they meet in the center. Like, these are... This is a different thing than a fight in a movie, you know? Like, this is two guys agreeing we have to find out who's the baddest motherfucker alive. You know? They agree to do it the right way. Everybody warms up. Bruce Lee catches a good sweat. So does Chuck. 
<laughs> this is crazy shit, man. I forgot how crazy this, this is. is uh, this is the beginning, guys. Joe and I have talked about the movies of 1973. You really want to watch this shit today? Go ahead. But this yes. is where it starts. This is where all these movies are stolen from, and they can't even steal them. They don't know why they even did this. Look at Bruce Lee's getting into his fighting stance. Look at the cap. Bam, bam, bam. They're both throwing front leg roundhouse kicks to open up with and front leg side kicks. No one's hit anybody. They're blocking everything. Oh, Chuck Norris scores with a wheel kick to the face and smiles. He doesn't even follow up. He's a gentleman. No ground and pound. Right. Oh, shit. Chuck is putting a beating on him. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh Bruce Lee grabbed the goddamn chest hair. That's not fair. That's rude as this fuck. This is also the beginning of Tang Soo Do, when Chuck Norris split from Tang Taekwondo and he recreated this shit. Really? Yeah, he's a Tang Soo Do guy. Yeah, but he, he, I don't think he created it. Well, supposedly, yeah, it's his style. I mean, it was definitely his style, but it existed before. So yeah. they did two different Tang Soo Do's, right? There's Tang Soo Do, Su Bak Do. And I think he went the other way. There's a Subak Do that the all they all started together, but he went the other way. Yeah, Tang Soo Do had a little bit of grappling in it. Yes. They had more grappling in it than Taekwondo did. They had, like, some wrist locks and joint locks and stuff. Here we go. See, so he gets oh, his timing. Shit. He starts fucking jumping up and down, and it's all fucking lights out, motherfucker. But the beauty of this is this is going to remind you of something, Joe. Just keep watching. Watch him. <laughs> oh, shit. Isn't it dishonorable to grab somebody's chest hair and rip it off them, though? Not like, when you're in the fucking Roman Coliseum. Whatever yeah. happens, happens. You understand yeah. me? You're trying to. As long as you don't lie, but watch all these. Watch all. This is still slow-mo. Nobody knows nothing. Watch hold Bruce. up, hold up. How fake is this Roman yeah. Coliseum they're fighting in? Look how fake that brick wall is behind them. They keep showing, like, a picture of the Coliseum. And then a brick wall. Would be... This is crazy shit. Chuck Norris and Bruce Lee. They slow everything down. This is hilarious. The sound that it makes every time they throw kicks is hilarious, too. Hey, dog, it's 40 years ago. Look at the camera work. The guy's trying, man. Yeah. He's like, kick the fucking camera. He's trying. Meanwhile, there's a poster of the Roman Coliseum behind him. <laughs> no, Look at that poster. <laughs> they probably shot so this fake. in Laurel Canyon. <laughs> That's Laurel Canyon. Chuck Norris is watching his feet. He kicks him in the face. Oh, Chuck. Oh, Put your hands damn. up. Damn. Damn. What? Wow, Chuck just shook it off. <sighs> Beautiful hair back then. Oh, the oblique kick. Look at him. John Jones style, son. Bruce Lee was the first. Oh, front leg round kick to the face. Chuck Norris goes down. Nobody, nobody had ever seen anything like this before back then. This didn't exist. You never saw a fight in a movie Yo, like when this. When you were 11 and 10, your head almost blew up. You left there looking for somebody to say something to you. You would oh, fuck them shit. up, including your dad. You didn't give a fuck when you left these movie theaters. Look at this, Joe Rogan. You know, whether or not Bruce Lee ever competed, you know, I mean, that was like the big thing about him is that he never fought. Like Chuck Norris was like world middleweight kickboxing champion at one point in time. Bruce Lee definitely did a lot of sparring, for sure. There's no way he could be this good. The way his timing in is his movement, like the, his understanding of what would and wouldn't work. 
Like these, in a lot of ways, even though some of it is ridiculous, some of his movements are more realistic than shit you see in the movies today. The way he checks with that oblique kick, the way he counters when you're moving in, it's very realistic. Like these scenes, like the way he's fucking this dude up is a lot like the way someone who's at a really high level is fucking somebody up in the UFC. It's really a kind of ironic. Like the way he's... The Look shit that he's Nobody doing? does this, Snowball. That's a move and a half. I told you, in the 70s, everybody swept Joe Rogan. Everybody. You had, to, you had to watch that front leg. You were getting swept. Once you got into range and you threw two punches and they felt it, you were yeah. getting swept, dog. Everybody swept. The sweep has disappeared from our society. He broke his fucking oh, arm. Oh, he broke there his you go. leg. There you go. Who the fuck you think you're dealing with? He's I'm giving his you arm or his leg. Both. His Look arm. at his arm. That's on my hand when I was out of eight balls. That's how it would shake. When <laughs> Chuck Norris, he did. He broke his arm and his leg. And his, his leg, leg's dog. fucked up, too. He fucked them up. He's trying but to get listen, back up. But listen, watch. This is a tremendous movie. This is tremendous, guys. Next time you see Chuck Norris dumb, looking dumb with the wig, think about this. <laughs> think about this move. Look, dog, he gets up. Even though it's a movie, Bruce was very smart. He goes, let this fucking guy up. This is a great scene, dog. He can't stand. But he gets up. This is a good fucking scene. He gets up. This is tremendous, guys. <laughs> Look at him. Look at him. He's trying to throw kicks. Can't get up. I forget how it ends. Doesn't he kill him? Spoiler Beautiful. alert. Beautiful. It's a beautiful ending. He even got up correctly with a fucking damaged leg. <laughs> what the fuck, the cat? <laughs> what the? <laughs> oh yeah, motherfuckers! This is cinematography 101. I didn't think that was real. Look, you gotta make guillotine. Oh my god, he killed him with a guillotine. First time ever. He's upset that he had to kill him. That might have been the first guillotine ever in a movie. I believe, back it up a second, I believe that was an arm in guillotine, which is particularly difficult to pull off. I don't think, uh, I don't agree with his technique here. Let me see. Back it up just so here. Is that an arm in? Let's see here. Can't see his other arm. I feel like that's an arm in guillotine, which I call bullshit. No, it's not arm in. Is it? It looks like it is. It's hard to finish that one, man. You gotta get up high on the neck. <laughs> or you gotta have an unbelievable squeeze. Let's see, what do you got? Nope, I don't know, man. Tough to tell where his arm was. If, his, if Chuck Norris had the underhook there, it's very hard to... Well, why don't turn it off? Watch what he does. This is insane. This is... This is tremendous, guys. Bruce Lee was a fucking soldier. And he wrote all these. You know, he wrote all these, though. Look, watch, watch. Oh, the music plays. Dusts off his kung fu jacket. By the way, how many black guys dressed like that I in the 1970s like and 80s? I had the full outfit. My mom was going to send me back to Cuba. <laughs> they sent me to the Santa Ria priest. They didn't know what was wrong with me. Here we go, guys. This Dude, is no! no, 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 no. What happened? There's just a YouTube comment. Oh, that was not the whole movie. He goes and gets his gi and puts it on back on top of him. He oh, did he? puts his gi back on top wow. and his belt and makes it look nice for him. Very nice. It's a great Bruce fucking scene. That's man. a fu guys. Come on. You think I, this is garbage? This, this is, is not garbage. good. This is not good. This is garbage. This is, don't you, how dare you? You know what? <laughs> Pull up the uh, trailer to Hard Times. Pull up the trailer to that. 
1973. Watch the trailer. That and then we'll go to the mechanic. Watch the trailer to the mechanic. Oh. You got to see the trailers to the good, the bad, the ugly. Dun, dun. All those movies, it was a different type of editing. It was a different type of cut. Very impressive. Fuck, man. It was a different world back then, man. A different world. A lot more believable back then. Charles Bronson that. James? Why does it say Charles Bronson James? I knock people down. You mean like a prize fighter? No, they're pickup fights. The money's made on bets. What does it feel like to knock somebody down? It makes me feel a hell of a lot better than it does him. 1933. America had hit the skids. People were out of work. Wow. And out of luck. Third refill costs a nickel. Life was as tough as a cheap steak. <laughs> it was hard times. I got a husband in jail, no job, and no prospects. I don't look past the next bend in a road. A man had to live by his wits. You well, know, he was 50 when they made this movie. Good, but I'd get long odds. What kind of odds are you talking about? Five to one. Three to one. Deal. Deal by his fists. Columbia he was an old dude back then, but in great time. shape. Starring and Charles that dude Bronson that he fights was a gas a station drifter. attendant on Melrose across from Paramount. That's how he got that. He got that in the longest yard. Really? Yeah. That a ball that a guy. spoke soft. Barely know you. Yeah, but would you like to? And hit hard. James Coburn as Speed, a born con man. 50-50 on all scratch bets and expenses. All side bets, I keep 75%. That's how it works. Who can make a fortune in a day. I propose a toast to the best man I know. Me. And lose in a minute. <laughs> I'm flat broke. I need some money fast. What the hell are you doing? You don't want no trouble. Just you pay your debts. Was the hustler broke his car with a sledgehammer when you had money? Rules about that, except who wins. Cheney was the hitter. You ever get scared when you do work? I don't think about it. Together, they just couldn't be beat. You give us our damn money now. You want that money? Take it. Now I got the gun. I don't think you want to use it. <laughs> One way. You want to see another? Charles Bronson, James Colburn, Jill Ireland, and Struther Martin. They're a knockout. In hard times. God damn! Every punch has the exact same sound effect. Every punch is... It's such a weird artificial sound like why didn't they like have someone actually punch something yeah. and like get the sound from that yeah did somebody once make that sound and then everyone just accepted that sound yeah. because why wouldn't you just sit there and just go like that instead well you know they have those foley artists those guys that make sound for movies and they just decided on a sound yeah. it's it's like wood clapping together or something like that now you want to see a real trailer let me show you a real trailer this is what took trailers to the next level Shaft, please. See all you this know, hunky dory music? Shaft took it to the next level. Shaft woke you up in the movie theater with that funky guitar. I remember this movie. Yes. This there is was a, a they did a documentary on John Fitch and it was a really good documentary. Hold on a second. And but one part of it was like it was all about the gritty real life of a contender, a guy like fighting GSP for the title. But when they showed some of the f fight footage, they had sound effects over the punches. It was like psh, psh, 
and I was like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? Like, you guys have, like, the realest shit on Earth. You're showing guys fighting in a cage, and you're having sound effects over, over p punches. I don't know if they kept it in. I, I didn't get it to see it again. I only saw, like, was, I think it's called Such Great Heights. It's a documentary they made way back... Uh, what year was that? I it was right led up to the fight for GSP. For GSP yeah. They shot the documentary with him beating GSP. They thought he was going to beat that, GSP. That he was going to beat yeah. GSP. So that was it. Was a good. I watched. It was a very it good documentary. Yeah, but I mean, I don't, I don't think they shot it thinking he was going to beat him. They just they shot it hoping he was going to beat him, but knowing that this is a really tough fight. And but I just was like, why do they have sound effects? I hope they pulled it out because other than that, it was a great documentary. It's um, it's just weird when you get like you start mixing things like you're you're adding sound effects to like an actual fight like that's imagine if like ufc started doing that like every time somebody hit somebody they added a sound effect psh, psh, like you wouldn't know what what's real what's not the lines get super blurry they have a guy like in a truck that's like got a button that he presses every time you punch somebody he's got three different sounds psh, boom psh, psh, boom psh. it's possible one day someone's gonna do it Someone's going to doll up some fake-ass shit. I don't like when they do it with stand-up. Oh, that's bad. When you I don't know like it. when they do it with TV shows. I don't like when they do it. It's just something. It, it lets me. Uh, it makes Takes you out fucking, of it. Yeah, it just yeah. makes me not want to watch it no more. Yeah, laugh tracks and sitcoms are very confusing. Very confusing. They use, they use laugh, tops, laugh tracks on sitcoms sometimes when the sitcoms aren't even shot in front of an audience. Or they did at one point in time. It wasn't just that they added laughs to juice up a joke, which they definitely do, but it was also that they did it like they they weren't even in front of an audience at the time. And then they added like some fake laughs where they thought it should be funny, which is so weird because you're watching it at home and you're supposed to like, <laughs> you're supposed to like go along with it, but it's so inorganic. It's almost like a light goes off that tells you time to laugh now, time to laugh now. And like it kind of has the same effect. It's so weird watching Lucky Louie, which was Louis C.K.'s first show, because it was in front of a laugh track or a studio audience. I think it was a studio and, audience. And it was just so weird, because you'd like get something out of the fridge, you'd be like, oh, no, hey, Jim Norton. And everyone's yeah. like, ah, oh. and it was like, that's not supposed to be there. It's so awkward. Well, yeah, that didn't work out, that show. But uh, he figured it out. He figured out how to do it. Just do it all yourself. Which is really crazy that someone does that. He does the whole thing himself. Pretty amazing. You know, he does a lot of the writing. <clears throat> produces it himself, edits it. He used to edit it on a little laptop. I mean, I don't know how he's doing it now. But back in the day, he was talking about how he's editing his show on a 12-inch MacBook. <laughs> he used hilarious. to always do his own, uh, for his website, he used to always do his own stuff, like videos. and uh, He had, like, podcasts a long time ago that he used to do himself. Podcasts. He had, like, little YouTube videos. Yeah, YouTube videos. And he, had he had a podcast? He had some he had kind. Well, he had a video podcast. <clears throat> So if you if you go on iTunes right now and look up uh, Louis C.K. podcast, it actually is still up there. It's really? really weird. How many times did he do it? Not many, like six or seven times. But I remember back in the day before uh, that Dane Cook, Louis C.K. audio thing, I would always try to help him out. Like, like, hey, would you like any help doing videos? And he's like, oh, I got it. I know, how to, I know how to edit video. And I'm like, oh, damn, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, he always edited. He was, well, he was a director, too. He directed Pootie Tang back in the Dizay. That's right. Yeah, he's uh he's done a bunch of different things, man. He's a creative dude. He's got he's got his weird his weird you know take on things. It's a very uniquely him. You know, this, you see that on the show too. His show Louis doesn't remind you of any other show. It's weird, you know. It's like very uniquely him. You know, his idea of what's funny. 
Well, that's why the show is successful because he does mm -hmm. it from A to Z. What a shame! He has to do everything for a year. But from you, A to Z. But that's how it becomes good. I think that's the only way to make anything and not like you. You're going to have a different idea of how to do something than Brian is, and Brian's going to have a different idea than Sam Tripoli. And it's just down the road. It's no matter what. It's real hard to get everybody to agree on shit, and it's real hard to. One of the things that makes someone like really funny is their own unique like sense of humor and when you you add in a bunch of other people's sense of humor sometimes that original whatever would be funny about the original thing just doesn't come out it's not the same anymore because there's so many different like things that you've added to it it's kind of like changed it and watered down it doesn't feel like joey diaz's words like if i saw a sitcom somebody put a sitcom around you but you had a bunch of other guys writing for you man I, i'm pretty sure i'd be able to tell I'm pretty sure I'd be able to tell. Well, like, it's not the guys writing for me. It's what the network does to it afterwards. That too. That's that why too. Louis controls the thing A to Z, because we all know that you do the table read on Tuesday, you rehearse fucking Wednesday, you rehearse Thursday morning, and Thursday afternoon you do a run-through, and the fucking network comes in with the producers, and then that night before you leave, they give you notes, and then you do it again the next day in front of those fucking people again. Then yeah. they give you notes, then you shoot in front of the live audience, or whatever the fuck you do on Friday night at right. 6 o'clock. So it's it's really weird. Like Sometimes you might have a great line and the audience laughs, but they'll come back and say, take that line out because uh, it offends somebody. Or our next episode, you know, and you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? This is a great line. I can't yeah. put it in with this shit, but that's uh, where Louis' success comes in. That he went to the network and said, listen, I'll do this. And I'll take this money, but this is my end. I'm handling this from A to Z. The first time some 25-year-old, you know, comes in with a suit, just graduated from Syracuse to tell me how to do my comedy, the deal is over with. Because that's what ruins all of them. Yep. That's the tough part of the comic in you. When you're uh, doing a, a TV show, you're on the weekends out there talking about getting stabbed and eating somebody's asshole, and now you're doing a Disney show from <laughs> Tuesday to fucking Friday, and they're telling you you can't say hell you got to say something else, and the, and the show sucks. One of the great successes that you have to take it off for Roseanne Barr was that when Roseanne Barr went for it, she went for it. When they told her that they wanted her to knock Cosby out of the box, she went for it. But you know what she did? She went back to the comedy store, and she hired all those guys that she thought they were quirky. Even if she could get one line per show out of them, they were worth the $5,000. And guess what? Sometimes, you know, those writers they give you at networks, nine out of ten times, they learn how to write at fucking Columbia or over to fucking Philly or, or the University of Houston, wherever they went to fucking do. You know what? We we write on a drop of a dime, bro. I like when you get a couple comics with a couple people who know how to write and put that together. But I don't want four guys that are just specifically writers for a comic like myself. Right. They'll work for a comic like... Uh, the bacon guy or, or somebody who's cleaner or something like that. Uh -huh. But for guys like Jim Jeffrey, you're not going to get network fucking writers to write with his fucking craziness in his mind. You're going to get two guys that are similar to him and mix them with two guys that know formats. And, Maybe. And, and yeah, that's Even how then, it works. I don't think. I think he's got to write his own stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then, you, no, no, no. And then you come him. in there. No, no. Listen, they give you a line. And how many times have they given you a fucking line? And while you're looking at it, after you rehearse it, I go with what my gut tells me. If you say a line to me in rehearsal and I spit it back at you, 
I say the first thing I say is what my gut tells me. Then they'll come over and send the bitch with the glasses and say the line is you're gonna kill the cat. Yeah, all right. Watch this. Bam, and it works again. What's the line here? The line is the one I just said. To kill a cat ain't getting no fucking funny response. But the network will want you to say kill the cat. I'm just saying. Right, because the writers will tell it's you. It's the to writers to tell you. I've I yeah I've seen that many many. So times. if the comic says fuck you, I'm gonna do this line. You mix that with the two guys you got. And that, because the comedians are coming from a different school of thought. Yeah. The guys that are writers, they know how to structure it. I'm talking about structure and what's going to work or not. You ever get four comedians together? Yes, and we'll have an explosion. And we'll have helicopters and the chick flies out. Hmm. That cost a million dollars. Oh, they didn't know that. Now they got to rewrite it all over again. You get two guys that know what the fuck they're writing and how to structure shit. You get two crazy fucking comedians to write for you. And then you add to the fucking mix. But guess what, Joe Rogan? That's a lot of work. And even then, it's hard to do. That's a lot of work. It's hard to do. It's hard to pull off. You're not going to write. That's why there's not that many of them. Yeah, you're not going to write and do everything. What you're going to do is get, listen, 10 years ago, I would watch Chris Rock, and I always admired that. And then I found out the real story. When Chris Rock, when Chris Rock would use the specials, he would hire Nick, Louie, and Richard dude, Jenny. And Richard Jenny. He had that much faith in them. They all came up together. And if you watch two of his specials in those days, you see all three of them in the special. You could see when it's a Nick DiPaolo joke in there. You know, and I'm not saying I'm going to tell the joke that Joe Rogan gave me. I'm going to add my flavor to it. You know, mm -hmm. you're never going to have somebody come up to you and go, Joe, do this line right. on stage. You're never that type of guy. But somebody might give you a good idea. Premises. premises. People will give you some good premises. And if you watch, uh, you know, even this, the, the fat hanging over the heel. That's a Nick DiPaolo type of thing. Right. You know, when he says that joke. You know, you saw it. Right. You saw the development of the special. You saw that maybe it's an hour special. He put 30 minutes in. Nick put 10. Richard Jenny put 3. And Louie put 20. He had enough trust in those guys. That's when the special is good. When you have guys who really know you. Guys that could go to, you know what? I, you ever have somebody like that wrote, writes something and they go, you know what? I wrote something that's a little too wild for me, Joey. Maybe it'll work for you. And you hear it out, and you're like, maybe it would. I'm not going to use it because somebody else wrote it. But you understand me? Yeah. Sometimes once you have that type of trust in that level, and you could see it. You could see it in Chris's specials. It's, it's a comedy collaboration, and it works. But somebody in there has to be structured. I'm funny, Joe Rogan. I know how to say shit off the kick, but I'm not structured. You know what I'm saying? I'm not structured. Well, that's because the beauty of what you do is not a structured thing. You know, when you're, when you're on stage, it's this wild, loose thing. That's part of the fun of it. That's the vibe. That's part of the fun of, like, how you perform. So, like, when you try to turn that into a sitcom, you, it's like you're capturing lightning in a bottle. Lightning only exists for a brief moment of time flashing through the sky. You know, they're about to make Uncle Buck again. With a black guy. Right? With a black guy. Who is who, it? Uh, Mike Epps. Who I love. Mike Epps? Yeah, who I love. He's doing a lot of shit. He's doing prior to. He's doing prior to. The problem with Uncle Buck is anybody they. Uncle Buck, when they write it, they write it as a crazy guy. The guy has to be naturally crazy to sell this. Do you know, anytime they'll, they'll sell it now, they'll sell the guy who smokes a cigarette and goes to the gym. Ooh, he's edgy. You know, goes to, <laughs> he's playing like volleyball with a beer in his hand or. You know, something stupid where that's what they're selling instead of the attitude. Right. That's what that's what you want to see is the attitude. It's not what the writers, you know, his words I are, just don't want to see another Uncle Buck. Yeah, I'll I don't want to see a guy new. who takes the kids to the track. That's been done. Yeah. That's been done. Leave it alone, you know, but that's where it's at today. But, again, they remake all that shit.
but they don't put on Wide World of Sports, which is a real <laughs> education. You understand me? And now we got, we got real sports on HBO who they tackle those subjects. They go to India and watch the young kids with the camels and the whole fucking deal. So, and yeah, it was last night I was talking about the, 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 the people in Nepal, the Sherpas that take <laughs> those people up to the top of Mount Everest. Holy shit. They make like $5,000 a year. Like 24 of them, 25 of them have died over the last couple of years. Scary, scary shit. There's only like 100 of them. And these people are carrying all this shit up to the top of Mount Everest day in, day out. You know, they, they spend long fucking hours sleeping on the side of a glacier. Scary shit. Wild show, man. They did a really good job Which of one? capturing it all. Vice. Wide World of Sports. Wide World of Sports. I mean, um, Real Sports with Brian sports. Gumbel. What were you saying, Brian? Have you seen the new Nirvana uh, documentary that was just announced? It's uh, it's actually, Court Courtney has lent all her personal movies for, for once, like her home movies and stuff. And there's also a 13-minute uh, song that Kurt never released and Whoa. stuff. And it's it's heartbreaking if you watch it. It's really well done, and it's coming out in the next <coughs> month or so. But it's uh, check it out. There's a lot, they mix animation and a lot of different medias with it, and it's a pretty depressing movie. It's hard to believe that guy killed himself. Even after she it happened. She fucking killed him. You, dirty <laughs> bitch killed him. She poisoned him. Triads killed him. She poisoned him. No, no. She put the gun to his head. There's a whole conspiracy theory up there. Yeah. Do you believe... You got to sneeze? I don't believe it. I used to she, believe it, but the more I watch and learn about Kurt, it seems like he was just a tortured soul. And Yeah, it seems like he was... I mean, heroin, especially like severe heroin addiction, is very depressing. Very depressing. You know what's beautiful, though? What? I the love sky? how America gets always, whenever they find recordings in the safe. I got to take a leak real He recorded, it's on his last 13 minute song. Listen, if it's any good, he would have fucking released it, all right? Yeah. America loves buying shit that somebody found in a fucking safe. It's fucking amazing. You, oh, America loves it. Oh, these are the re-released, the unreleased. Tupac, did you hear that shit? That album was fucking terrible. Yeah. He's Tupac. If he wanted it released, he would have fucking released it, all right? The reason why it's unreleased is because he listened to it and said, this fucking blows. I think this movie definitely is going to make a huge new surge of Nirvana fans that maybe haven't really fallen into that hole yet. You know, there's a lot of young kids that don't even know what Nirvana is still. What are you doing? Not doing nothing. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? What's How's that? Question? You, you, uh, you, the podcast you do, uh, Church of What's Happening Now, you guys now have uh, HD cameras and you're doing it. Do you do it? How many times a week do you do it now? Twice. Twice? Let's and are, have you switched it from the six in the morning shit that you used to do? Now it's normal times? Yeah. What, what time is it? Is it Saturday? Every day is different. Tomorrow's two o'clock with Stephen Bow. Every day is different. We used to do it Mondays and Wednesdays, but I had some shit going on today. I could only do this with Joe, so you have to be flexible. I'm home the next four weeks, so I can do whatever fucking day I want. You know what I'm yeah. Great. I usually always do one Monday. Monday, you got to have one up. Did During you, the week, Wednesday or Thursday, you do what the fuck you want. You did know? you see Ari, our boy Ari Shafir this Friday? He not only had his uh, special, but it was also followed by his new TV show, uh, uh, you know, the storytelling show. Come on. Yeah. It's great. Come on. And this was, you know, like the couple days after that Howard Stern was just like, who is this Ari guy? And meanwhile, he has like two shows on a Friday night at midnight on Comedy Central, and it's billboards everywhere of Come him. 
fucking know that. Right. Well, he's got one billboard on Sunset. Anyway. You know, but it's beautiful having it right in front of his house. I, how, you know, Howard does that. He pretends he doesn't know what you're doing. You know, and pretends he doesn't know, like, that the kid is a successful comic. He just, he mocks people. You know, he's, I mean, someone's talking shit about him, he's going to mock them. He's not going to bother Google searching them. Why would he do that? Whatever he says, like, in his, is in his reach, you know, it's gospel. So Ari becomes a loser. It's, the whole thing's kind of funny. I can't believe that he talked about him for 25 minutes. Like, yeah, I just didn't understand that. And he backtracked so many times that he listened to it because he said that he never. I mean, he literally said podcasts are for losers, and he kind of backtracked that whole saying. And and he's just not paying attention to what everyone else is talking about. He's just kind of like, no, 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 no. If you want to be in radio, and we're like, we're not trying to be in radio. He's just. Do you think he's just protecting his value for serious radio? I think he's talking shit, and when he talks shit, people start talking about him. And I think he's just he's a smart guy. He knows what he's doing. He's like, by by saying things that he like, saying that Ari's like doing his stand up into a podcast. You know, just I guess he's by. If you want to be by yourself and no one's listening, you know, get a job in terrestrial radio. Those jobs don't even exist anymore. Yeah. I mean, try try get. And not only that, that's not what a podcast is. What a comic is doing in a podcast is just having a good time, just sitting around talking shit. You're not trying to like, like the idea of like having the pressure of being hired. Like somehow I know that's good. This is what's good. What's good is the creative process. Like what comes out of a podcast when you're putting it together and the conversation's flowing. You're trying to figure out what story to tell and how to say it, and it comes out and people are listening. The entertainment value that's undeniable. That's the what. That's what's important. If you want to just talk about how much money is being made and where it's like. You're missing the entire point. Like, you're missing the entire point if that's what you're talking about with stand-up. If you were saying, you know, well, you're stand-up, you're, you're stand-up, you're not making any money, you don't even know what you're doing, you know, I've sold out arenas, but your stand-up is not... Imagine a comic saying that to another comic who's trying to figure out how to do it. What's, what's, what's good about stand-up and what's good about podcasts is that people enjoy it. That's it. That's what's good about everything. Everything you make, whether it's a movie or a song, do people enjoy it? If they enjoy it, then you're successful then it's successful. The idea that you can't make any money on it is just not true. So if he says that, I feel like he's trolling. I feel like he's trying to get people to talk about him. That's what he always did, man. You gotta understand how clever that dude was. He would go into markets, and you, can't, you don't just compete with a guy in a market, okay? You go in a market and you own him. You go in the market, you put up fucking posters, you, set, you stage a fake funeral for Mark and Brian. You see, you give him a funeral, man. You, you, you mock people to the end of time. You spend hours talking shit about them on the radio. It's some gangster shit, and that's what he always did. It's straight gangster. He would go in and just jack a town. Like, you gotta understand what you're dealing with. Like, this guy's not stupid, man. If he's talking shit, he wants people to talk shit back. He knows that there's a shitload of podcasts, and when you start talking shit back, then, you know, you're comparing your accomplishments with his accomplishments, and in his mind, he can't lose. But he, I think he trolls. He's just too smart. It's not just that he doesn't believe that, like, keep saying to get a job in terrestrial radio. He doesn't even have a job in terrestrial <laughs> right. radio. You know, I mean, he's on Sirius, and you can't just jump right into Sirius, obviously, but for comics, like, that's not a smart move. You want to be nationwide. A podcast, like, he's got to know that guys use podcasts to sell tickets, and people that most people have never heard of, you know, outside of the stand-up comedy and podcast world, like Tom Segura is not a household name. But that motherfucker 
Baker is selling out places all over the country. World. Small theaters. He, yeah, everywhere he goes, he's selling out clubs, and it's directly because of his podcast. To say that that's not a good idea and that he should be on the radio in Connecticut somewhere is that's not true. So he, I don't believe. I don't think he believes that. I think he's just talking shit. And I think Ari Shafir's podcast probably has led him to a lot of his uh, success in Comedy Central and his TV show and the the, the, the storytelling show. And, and like, there's a path, you know, from Ari starting that podcast to you know, and and keeping up with stand up comedy that it, he can't deny has helped his career. A hundred percent. Everybody that does a podcast has benefited from their podcast if they do stand up. Every single person. Um, the, the, this guy named H. Dizzle, he does a podcast out of Austin. He's the one that first turned me on to this whole Howard Stern podcast thing. Uh, he uh, made a great point is if you look online, if you go to YouTube and you find some lo recent channel or recent shows of Howard Stern on there, and then you look at recent uh, shows of you, it's amazing the difference of the numbers. It's like there was one that he brought up that was like hundreds of thousands of somebody just, you know, you know, put up a, a, an episode, or you put up an episode on YouTube, hundreds of thousands. Then there was like one in the same time period of Howard Stern, 2,000. But this is like the main guy that puts up Howard Stern's show every day on the YouTube. So it's just interesting, what is his numbers? Because none of us know. Sirius probably doesn't even know. You know, like, oh, they know. They know. He's huge. Don't get it twisted. Howard Stern's gigantic. I, I don't, I'm not saying he's not gigantic, but what is his numbers? The, well, who cares? That's you're you're doing this. You're playing the same game as he's playing, know, and you you can't win. He's he's Howard Stern. Like you got it. Like what is his numbers? Jesus Christ! It's probably like 20 million people. You think? Who the fuck knows what it is? I don't know. How, how many people have Sirius Satellite Radio? Well, I guarantee you, if people have Sirius Satellite Radio and they're listening in the morning, Howard Stern's the number one thing they're listening to. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. I know it's why a lot of people I know bought Sirius in the first place. 100. percent It's not a small number. I mean, the reason why this Ari thing got so huge, it, like, a lot of people might not listen on YouTube. But a lot of people are definitely listening on satellite, 100%. Like on XM and Sirius, whatever it is, 100%. There's a lot of people listening to that. It's not a flop by any imagination. So if just because these things don't get traction on YouTube, you know, people listen to that show in their car. That's what the Stern Show has always been. You listen in your car. You listen on the way to work when you're commuting. You listen home. And now because Sirius has two channels, they have Howard 100 and Howard 101, you get his show. You get replays throughout the day, and then on 101, you get all these old shows that he did. Like, you'll hear him interviewing Bon Jovi in the fucking 90s or something. And if you have an iPhone, you have every single TV show, and it's free because you have YouTube. <laughs> and you can just who stream it fuck, from gentlemen. Yeah, but who gives a your fuck, car gentlemen? on XM? I mean, we're talking fuck. about serious satellite radio in your Christ. car. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying that how pointless it is kind of for that kind of thing now that we all have YouTube or cell phones and that have Bluetooth because like we can get Howard Stern's show right now that he did today on our phone right but you can't listen to it live like like this morning I was listening to uh, uh, Sirius the Opie and Jimmy show and uh, they had some guy on from Boardwalk Empire I'm listening to it live I mean he's talking live you're hearing it live like when that there's something about that that's always gonna be appealing people love to, to hear a show that's going on live and you love the fact that you just get in your car and you press XM and you find out what the fuck is on it or serious you know you press it and you find out what's on like you don't have to go searching through your podcast you can just hit your, your favorites you got 101 and you're tuning into the channel there's always gonna be a benefit in that but they're probably all gonna wind up doing both that's what it's probably going to be. It's probably going to be like some sort of a serious show, but also have it be a podcast too. And this, the 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 networks, like the idea that you're going to be able to keep, like, 
a lockdown on TV's car radios with satellite, like that's not happening anymore. They're starting to, everybody knows that. He doesn't, like the, the idea that Howard Stern doesn't know that is ridiculous. He knows about Stitcher and cars and the dude's very savvy. So he knows that they're going to have, without a doubt, they're going to have internet access in 90% of the cars in just a few years. Everybody that has a new car, like you get a Cadillac now, they have this Escalade. I rented one when I was in uh, Utah. It's fucking incredible, first of all. They're amazing. They're so smooth. That it's, not a, it's not a gauge anymore, not a gauge cluster. It's an LCD screen with an artificial gauge cluster, a huge fucking map, like the navigation system's giant, super comfortable ride, magnetic suspension. It's got a built-in internet connection. It's a fucking driving internet connection. So you have like built-in internet, like you use it as like a Wi-Fi hub, and you can have your laptop, you could download iTunes, you could fucking stream different things on the screens. It's crazy. That's, this is, you're going to have podcast apps for all those things. And you're going to be able to say, where's the church of what's happening now? And you're going you're gonna to be able to press a button on your steering wheel, uh, go to church of what's happening now. You know, and then like, you know, would you like to play an episode? Yes. Episode four with, uh, you know, fill in the blank. You know, whoever the fuck it is. Big John McCarthy. Bam. And then that shit starts playing. Welcome to the church of what's happening. Now, Lee Syatt starts talking and then you're driving down the road. That's that's in demand and that's inevitable. But right now we're not there yet. And I think guys like Howard Stern are very, very clever. He's smart as shit. You know, the idea that he doesn't know that all this stuff is going on, that's preposterous. Right. He's trolling. He trolled Ari, and he got Ari to talk shit about him, and he talked shit about Ari, and now it's, it's his crazy thing. And that's what he does. That's what I think. I also think he, <laughs> he you're right, because he's such a computer nerd. Uh, yeah. and, but I also think that maybe with like all these TV shows and flying from L.A. to, you know, or whatever he does or whatever his schedule is, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's completely a different person. He comes home, takes a little nappy poo and wakes up. and I doubt it. You know what I also think? He's also in negotiations with Sirius. Like uh, there's uh, right. some sort of contract thing. So what is he going to do? He belittles the competition. He mocks them. And then right. it becomes gospel. You know, to a lot of people, what he says is gospel. He starts talking about podcasts podcast being for losers you know and then you know people comparing the podcast to his show you know he's got a point he's got a point he's got like how many millions of fucking cars have Sirius built into them you know my my car is it built in when I bought it it's in it was on I started watch I, it's right away I don't even have to order any special package I get one how it used to have to pay for like Howard 101 Howard 100 like a special package to get Opie and Anthony mm -hmm. it was a special package not anymore Nope. It's all the same price. I just yeah, you, I think you, everyone, your car, as soon as you get it, it's on there. I think everyone has it. I think everyone has it in their cars, but like like I have in two cars and they both expired. And I think a lot of people like myself called and go like, how how much is it? And they're like, oh, it's 150 for a year. And you're like, oh, no, Why, what? $150? Dude, think about how much booze you buy in a week. I, I mean, it. that's like I, got it on board. I can't live without fucking serious. Ozzy's Bonyard with Jim yeah. Norton. Oh, yeah. Frank uh, Florentine. Disco Classic studio. vinyl. Studio 54 classic vinyl, uh, uh, lithium. I get Nirvana, Soundgarden, Hair of the Dog. I get all that. That's that's uh, whatever. Uh, there's like 10 fucking things on there. Howard, one, 100. I don't live without Sirius Radio in the car. I like it. I like it. I like the. Do you, do you have Spotify? Hold on. No, I have. Uh, I that's have, a uh, phone, Brian. You got to use your phone to get that. I have. Uh, how many people have Spotify in their car? A very tiny number, if any, right? I mean, think, I think everybody either has Bluetooth or the plug into their phone where they where they they do it. Cause every single person I know does. Oh yeah, but think about your crowd. You're you're hanging out with a bunch of young comics. You know, a lot of people don't use Bluetooth yet with their stereo. They just don't. They don't use your phone. To, and if you do use it. 
you got to fuck with your phone while you're driving and go look through things and try to search for something. With XM, you just press the button. It's right there. You're driving. You're serious, brother. Nice, right driving. There. Press well, the no, button. I'm, I'm right saying right like, like the, the things you're saying, like the 70s radio station, the 80s radio station, they have this on Pandora. They have this on Spotify. It's free. But, but it's several it's, steps. Do you not, are you not listening? This is what There's comes several from a fucking car, so you just leave it there. You pay the VIG, and you move on with your fucking life. And, and you press the fucking button. But it's programming. It's you still good programming. You put 10 fucking stations. I got 10 stations in there. All of them are throwing fucking heat at every minute of the day. Yeah, your presets. I don't need no fucking Spotify. I don't need no other shit. I got it all in there. It comes with the fucking car. That's what the man's saying. It's undeniable that it's a good value. If you're someone who sits in traffic and it's entertainment and you need entertainment, it's undeniable. There's hundreds of radio stations. There's a bunch of different talk stations. There's BBC stations. You tune into it anytime. They're talking about diamond mining in Africa. You flip to the next one. They're interviewing someone in Bangladesh that's dealing with some ISIS attack. It's fucking great, man. The the idea that good just because there's Spotify and just because there's the you there's a lot of extra steps involved in all those things if you're gonna want to like set up you're gonna do Pandora you're not gonna listen to the BBC you're not gonna listen to Howard Stern you're not gonna listen to Opie and Jimmy if you want to hear those things and those things are good you got to do it with serious the idea that 150 bucks a year is a lot of money come on man that's 10 bucks a month 10 bucks a month ain't shit 10 bucks a month for every single day you get something it seems to me like it's a value it's just not, it's not that bad a thing. It's the, everything, everybody has this idea that, that this, it has to be one or the other. You know, they, they, they can all coexist. There's nothing wrong with having uh, satellite radio in your car. I get my wife's car and she listens to all that shit the Gentiles listen to to get scared. Rush Limbaugh and all that fuck <laughs> shit. You know, my wife is as white as they fucking come. I get in the car and I got to give her a look. What is this shit? she got three stations programmed to scare white people shit. You know, That's hilarious. That world's going to Michael end. Savage. Yeah, Obama's in Japan. Mrs. Ob- I got in the car this morning. We're here live in Japan with Mrs. Obama. Get the fuck I used here. to listen to a couple of those guys on Sirius, too. There's a few of those guys you can get. Those guys are awesome. They They're scare hilarious. the fuck out of you as you drive. I can't. The only guy I like is the guy that comes on lunchtime, Steve Harvey. Mm-hmm. <coughs> that was my dog for you. I learned about Steve Harvey in the mountains of Colorado. Lunchtime, everything ends in Colorado. Steve Harvey. The Alps are empty. What so are you, they going to do? So what, do you listen to uh, the Steve Harvey radio show? Is that what it is? Whatever, whatever. Harvey? I don't listen to it no more. I went for like two years. Now I'm stuck on lithium and classic fucking vinyl. The way up here, they had Elton John from Funeral from a Friend. That album, you don't listen to that shit. Who listens to Elton John anymore? Who, this is when he was with Bernie Taupin. You don't like head. Elton John? I, I'm telling Do you know you, Elton John is? Uh, he's got this uh, Dolce and Gabbana band. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's trying yeah, to ban yeah. Gold, Dolce yeah, yeah. and Gabbana. Roll. He's on a roll. Yeah, because they said something about uh, gay people adopting kids or having kids. I forget what the fuck they oh, said. Oh, he's got. Listen, let me tell you something. Dolce and Gabbana done. Because really? when Elton John speaks, people listen. Fuck E.F. Hutton. That's the gay community, the deep, deep pocket gay community. Not these little guys jumping up and down at that place in Santa Monica. This is the deep. Deep money gays. They don't why, give a fuck. Why would anybody do that? Because why would you talk they, shit about I, I, Elton. Why, listen, why would you talk man, you shit don't about fuck, gay people having listen, babies? You don't fuck with Elton John. You don't fuck with Barbara Streisand. There's a couple people you just leave the fuck alone. Let's find out what it is. Dolce and Gabbana band. What's up, B? 
So, Any other places I get music band. from? Spotify, Ringwood, what else? Well, my, no, my point Let was me like... fucking go on the, the phone and crash. The, More options for me to take this fucking car off a cliff. That's what you're giving me. No, I'm just saying that the future, I think, of that is suspect because I think phones or cars are now having Spotify automatically in there and Pandora just like uh, satellite radio. And I just think the future of that is, is you know, I don't know. I don't know. It just doesn't seem very good. The future of what? Serious? Satellite radio. It's a program. The idea that it's everything is programmed for you. The difference between that and something like Spotify or Pandora is you're going to go searching for stuff. Well, no, I'm just, but they have I the think same this, thing. What do you mean they have the same Spotify thing? Spotify has radio stations, and so does Pandora has radio stations. So if you want a 70s radio station, they have that. And it's just random 70s, you know, it's been programmed. Right, so it'll be star-based then. Then the people that will be subscribing to that are the people that specifically want to see or listen to Howard Stern, That's or true. listen to Opie and Jimmy. So in that case, it makes him even more important, because this is a fucking giant, multi-billion dollar company. This is not a small endeavor. If Howard Stern left, you want to talk about like the power of podcasts? Here's the power of podcasts. If Howard Stern said, fuck you, to Sirius Satellite Radio at the end, and started his own podcast, do you know how many fucking people would jump ship and leave? It would be enormous. It would crash the company. He probably wouldn't do it because he owns stock. I mean, I think he does at least. That's what I've read. Sell, 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 Wasn't sell. that part of the thing that he yeah, owned stock I in the company? So. If he wanted to, yeah. If he, if he bailed and started his own like podcast show instead, boy, they, I guarantee you their fucking numbers would drop off substantially because as time goes on. One thing you do have a point when I told you about that Escalade that I rented, it has internet built into it. It's only like a step or two away from something awesome being developed for Cadillacs. And the idea also, if you have full time, all the time internet connection like that in a car, all you have to do is like set up apps like an Apple system or you have just like you have on your phone. I mean, that could easily be the future of a car. It could be just like a phone. Man, it's going to be nuts. You'll be able to download apps into your fucking car. But then people are going to hack your car. That's going to be an issue, too. People gonna, you're going to have a 24-hour internet connection in your car, so people are going to start hacking people's cars. They're going to disable people's brakes. Some guy's going to fucking kill his wife by disabling her brakes. With See, his... That's what I don't like. They confuse things too much with that shit. <laughs> that shit. That's when one day you're fucking driving and your windows open up. It's 20 mm -hmm. below and you can't close them. Because this, that's what I don't like. It's like when you were a kid and you bought your first stereo and you went to that dude on the corner. You go, I got $200. What stereo would I buy? You wanted the Fisher because it had the 8-track, the cassette, the record player, and the four speakers. Any professional would say, don't do that. Buy components. Because if the 8-track works, then the whole thing is damaged. Do you remember when that uh, that controversial... Well, you fucking think you're dealing with, fucko. Huh? Some Dude. fucking novice used to buy components. So I didn't like the radio when I was growing up. So I never bought a fucking radio. I bought an amplifier. I, collect, I connected a cassette to it. And I had a record player with uh, two of those fucking killer speakers that I always seem to get off trucks. Whatever the Not Bose. <laughs> this is trucks. way before Bose. This is fucking uh, long. or uh, yeah, uh, Alpines or... And, uh... There was a guy who died, reporter, what the fuck is his name? He died on Sunset. He crashed his car. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's one of the things that they were saying. They were saying that they think that this guy's car had been hacked. The yeah. fuck is his name? Mine has that shit. That freaks me out. Like, it's connected to the internet. Michael Hastings. Yes, Michael Hastings. Thank you. This guy was, like, super critical of, um, of the military. Super critical of some, some um, generals in particular. And the guy 
died. His car, like, he fucking hit the gas and never let up and drove right into a tree, and his car exploded. Sure, they electrocuted him right from fucking NORAD. <laughs> That's when they send the fucking signal right from NORAD, and they fuck your shit right up. Yeah, allegations to, of foul play. We're getting to government, you know, in the loop now. Everything we're, we're against, we're just giving them to them. So, I don't... You want the government? Now we know the, the fucking cars, where, that, where we're at in our cars. They already know where we're at with our phones. Didn't they say, too, when he died, they found meth in his system? I'm pretty sure that's what happened. They always find meth in his system. That's the yeah. way to fucking discount him. They yeah, said that he was in a very shit. agitated yeah. state, in quotes. This sounds like a hit piece. Saying he was incredibly tense and worried that his material was being surveilled by the government. Friends believe that Michael's line of work led to a paranoid state. USA Today reported that in the days before his death, Hastings believed his car was being tampered with and that he was scared and wanted to leave town. Fuck. You know, it's, a, it's one thing to kill yourself, but a one thing to hit the gas full clip and drive straight into a tree. How many guys have done that? I think if you're on meth, that would probably be what, like, I'm doing no. it. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Maybe. No. And maybe, maybe that's exactly right. Think about it. Yeah. When you're on meth, you do make some shitty choices. Yeah. Especially if you're about to kill yourself on meth. I just feel like most people would want it to be like 100%. Like hitting a, a tree with a car might just fuck you up. I don't know how, how hard you got to be going to hit a tree and live. So they're saying it's fucking foul play, correct? No, they're saying they don't think it's foul play. Oh, okay. People think he was bananas and he drove into a fucking tree. I think his, even his own family has said that, but... They might just be protecting themselves. They might just be saying that publicly because they don't, they're scared. I mean, this guy was fucking with generals. Generals are professional killers. I mean, that's what they are. That's what they do. They kill people overseas. They kill people that are problems. And, and a guy who's trying to take down a general, the general's done really good work for the United States as far as, like, military work and, you know, been a part of some important missions. And he's got a lot of clout. And they think that this guy's trying to take him down. Well, that guy might as well just be the enemy. You're, you're trying to remove one of the most important components of the military. You're trying to remove a general, a general that's like been very successful at war. You could easily see why some people would step in and say, you know what, we've got to take this fucking reporter out for the country. And then that's how they would believe that they were doing the right thing. That could have happened, man. I don't know. I'm, I just don't think that it's a matter of, t I don't think it's a matter of impossibility. It's not impossible to control a car. In fact, there's been some CIA guys that say you can do it. It can be done. Like, Google that, Jamie. Pull up, can you, like, Michael Hastings' death, can you remote control a car? Michael Hastings' death. See if there's a, like, there's a consensus on that. Because I think you could do it. It's a computer. Yeah. It's a fucking computer. I don't think there's anything that shows that you could steer the car unless it's one of those cars that has automatic steering, like Michael Hastings' Mercedes. He had a Mercedes. The new Mercedes, you could drive those motherfuckers around town like 30 miles an hour. They will drive themselves, okay? You set it. They have like a, a laser that detects cars in front of you. They slow down. There's cameras that detect where the lanes are. They turn for you. My, my uh, bug, my Volkswagen, I can unlock my cars through an app uh, or uh, my car doors through an app. Look at this. What has been revealed as a result of some research at universities that it's relatively easy to hack your way into the control system of a car and do such things as cause acceleration when the driver doesn't want acceleration or to throw on the brakes when the driver doesn't want the brakes on, to launch an airbag. Jesus. Wow. You can do some really highly destructive things now 
through hacking a car, and it's not that hard. Wow. Wow. So if there was a cyber attack on a car, and I'm not saying there was, Clark added, I think whoever did it would probably get away with it. Oh, good Lord. My sink, my Ford sink, uh, sends reports to some office once a month, and it tells you my brake uh, brakes, like how good my brake pads are, how, like everything Whoa. about my car. So it knows everything about my car and has connections to every part of my car. It seems. My sleep apnea <laughs> machine sends fucking signals to the home front, and every sixty days they send me reports too. Well, that makes sense, though. Your sleep apnea machine's not driving everything. around town into a fucking tree. <laughs> right. fucking That's controlling his breathing. Everything has. Yeah. <laughs> You could go on a, a, a report at the end of the month. I don't know about the car thing. Well, they're going to have computers that can control, like they can virtually control anything. Like one of our sponsors is Smart Apps or Smart Things, and Smart Things uh, is in. Uh, you can you can control your alarm system, your electricity, shut your your uh, lights off and on. I mean, these these, these things are like they're. But making you know what them... I don't like about that, Joe Rogan? What? If you could do it, that means somebody else can somebody too. Somebody else can so do it. So don't too. open the fucking app. Mind your fucking business. <laughs> Mind your fucking business, because that means somebody else could too. So one night you're at home getting your dick sucked. And some 13-year-old doesn't want to swat you. He wants to fucking turn the lights on like fucking poltergeist <laughs> in your house. You know, you need that shit. Don't fuck with it. Don't open the door. If you, if, you know, if you answer the email back that says you have a relative that left you $5 million, guess what? You're done. You're kaput. Just delete that motherfucker. You don't even open it. Why don't you go back to a flip phone? For what? Because you avoid all this. You and Ari. I don't Ari's have... already gone to flip phone. Listen, I'm going to make a confession today. <laughs> That a lot of people don't know. I don't even know what the fucking app is. I don't have an app on my fucking phone. You know, a single app on your phone? I don't know nothing. <laughs> I check Twitter and Hotmail. That's all I want to check. Those are apps. apps. That's it. That's it. Those are two That's apps. That's it. Everything else got nothing. I got a well, blood pressure thing. Oh, I got you have a thing an app for, for my heart pressure. stress. Well, to, now we got four. My, to put my fingerprints on there. It's just your uh, heart stress? It does everything. I got a, one of my buddies, John Cutler, up in San Francisco, sent me a thing. You connect to your iPhone and check your blood pressure. I take it with me on the road. That's incredible. I take it into the gym when I do sit-ups before my head blows that's up. A, that's an app. Yeah. Yeah. But apps. I don't know nothing about iTunes. Like, I give it to my wife. I go, here, <laughs> put this on there. I don't know nothing. I don't know people who fucking, I got it's my so fitness. easy, man. I got myfitnesspal.com on here to count my protein, carbs, that's and all that app. shit. But... You I can don't do, do some incredible shit with these things I don't now. do it from my phone. I do it from the house where so there's no misunderstandings. Nine out of ten, I don't have my glasses on my fucking phone. If you email me for something and I don't get back to you, text me, you're fucked. I don't have my glasses. Forget it. The eyesight is completely gone now. <laughs> I'm almost done here. I'm almost fucking done here. I got to go back to the doctor like in two weeks. How Even, bad is your eyesight? Uh, the fucking left eye. Listen, if you see me in my car... Just go on the left side. Don't take a chance <laughs> on the right, because I might deck you fucking with that thing. <laughs> I mean, is it close and far? Is it everything? Or is Blur. it the questions? I don't see nothing. That's what the fucking close. I don't even see tweets no more. Really? What? Yeah, I can't see tweets on my phone unless there's a lot of light. You know, no, those days are done, gentlemen. Really? It's over, yeah. My wow. sight is really... Dog, I, I could see a Coke rock under a fucking carpet. Look at me now. Look at me fucking now. Nothing. Nothing, guys. It's a real fucking shame. But that's what happens. There's supposed to be some exercises you could do for your eyes. Steve Maxwell was telling me about it the other day. It's like it's, called, it's a book called Throw Away Your Glasses and See. And I had this woman on named Katie Bowman. And she, one of the things that she was saying is that you, when you, your eyes, like when you're looking at things, everything in the same distance, like you're constantly looking at a screen, it's like having a cast on. 
Like it, it makes your, your eyes atrophy. It's not good for it. Like you're supposed to be looking at things all different distances, looking at things from far away, looking at things from close up. And when you look at things all different distances, your eyes stay pretty good. But when you're just constantly staring at a screen on a regular basis, your eyes start to get really I think shitty. that's definitely, definitely yeah. with me. Mm-hmm. I could tell when I started really sitting in front of a computer in my eyesight, it just demolished it. Yeah. After 44, it just dem- ate it, ate it, ate it up. Like, yeah. what the fuck? Some people are just constantly looking at their phone. That does it, too. But if you can just incorporate a lot of distance looking into your life like go outside and look at things far away like your eyes will have like a better medium like let them focus on shit that's really far away and focus on some things that are close when you do it you got to balance it out just like anything else i guess i'm sure i don't use my iphone to the abilities i understand where re went back to the flip phone it's Mm -hmm. too much of your time consumed yeah that's what he felt but i feel now that uh you know if i can get an email i like to get my email Mm-hmm. You know, that's very important. I mean, my main email, I like to get it. You, you just got to have discipline. Text just don't it. look at your fucking phone all the I time. I don't give a fuck. I'm not going to go on there and read what's going to happen on Yahoo. That's never I don't give a fuck. Ronda Rousey, I, that's got nothing to do with me. That shit got nothing to do with me. I read what's important. You send me an email or call me. That's all I fucking know, all right? I don't know nothing. When I'm out of the house, you're dead. I don't take pictures. Nothing. Nothing. I'm done. I'm out there living. I'm paying attention, though. You're not Instagramming. No, life is too fucking Do you fucking have an Instagram? Quick. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no fucking idea. Uh, there's, a, there's a certain aspect to it that I think is pretty cool. The, uh, the idea that you can get an alert on your phone and go check about some breaking news that's happening right now and you find out about something you would never have found out about. I got friends that I like call that. me. They're sitting in front of the TV waiting for something Yeah, but then you happen. look at the phone and you're like, who the fuck is calling? No, no, I get it. I got it. I can see that. I can see that. And I'll call them back. I get the message. GPS, just when you're somewhere you don't not, and you're like, where's the closest Starbucks or where's something? At? Like, Ari says it's he's not on his phone as much now that he has his phone bullshit because he's spending... Tw- 10 times longer trying to type a sentence to me like the other day we're going back and forth i'm just like what is oh yeah he's on the flip phone and he's like yeah <laughs> yeah it takes longer to make text messages i just call you let's yeah. just call forget this no well, you don't that's what i'm saying you don't make text anyway no i don't want to do it i don't want to send nobody pictures don't send me nothing yeah. nothing I'm a, I'm a simple guy there's an infinite infamous video that brian made a long time ago about sending joey diaz texts Oh, at the, at, was the, like at from, the old Houston last stuff. Yeah. That was fun. That was fun. Yeah. What year was that from? Joey Diaz Ready to Die. It was 2005. Called, and it was, t- yeah, around that. That was 10 years ago. Isn't that crazy? 2005. Pete still had that club. Can you believe that shit? Wow. That's crazy. It's sad that club doesn't exist anymore. That was one of the all-time great clubs. It's glad that a lot of clubs don't fucking really Not glad. exist. Not no, Sad. Sad. Yeah. A lot of clubs <laughs> don't exist. So. Yeah. Well, and a lot of new ones have opened. I've gone to a lot of good clubs the last three years that I didn't even know existed. Cleveland's a good club. Indianapolis is a rocking little city. I had never been there. Buffalo's is, always rocks. How long's Helium Portland been around? Uh, seven years, maybe. Seven years? No, maybe. Really? No way. No. no. It's like three or four. Maybe. All I know about Portland is Portland is Houston, Texas in 1990. Comedy has become the it thing to do, and it feels good when you go up there as a comic. Oh, yeah. In Houston, all the bartenders, they didn't know your name. Just some hip guy was down. Let's go down there and have a beer. That's it. That's what it's become in Portland. Right. And I feel that. I like when I go up there. The afterwards, the food in those trucks, the, the weather for three days, that's probably one of the best up and coming right now. Portland, but all the heliums are smiking motherfuckers. All those heliums ain't fucking. Ari called me the first time. He goes, 
You're right about Portland. The Cuban sandwich is fucking primo. They ain't fucking around. Doing great food. Portland is the other place where I have the ranch dressing. The other place where you do <laughs> have only. ranch dressing? They have spicy ranch dressing over potato tots. It makes whoa, your whoa, asshole whoa, whoa, whoa. fucking what is this? bubble. You, you actually like some ranch dressing? Is no, this a new that's revelation? The, that's the lady told me after I ate it. It's not it like ranch. I fucking ordered it. It came, it's pink, it's red, it's like fuego. Well, it's probably like a, a right. homemade right. ranch. It's not really like the ranch you motherfuckers eat at it's home. Probably it's probably yeah. ranch mixed with red hot. That's <laughs> fucking <laughs> malaria. No, there's a lot of like craft mm -hmm. restaurants up there that are making their own food. Yeah, that she makes their own sauce. It's there's delicious. a fucking place I Instagrammed it. There was a truck that we went to. It was a Thai cheeseburger. Holy shit, it was good. What was on it? Oh my God, that peanut saute sauce. Hot peppers, like uh, grilled jalapenos. I don't know what kind of cheese it was. There was a bunch of other shit on it. I had two of them. I had to go back. I couldn't even fit it in my stomach. But I, I crammed that fucker down my throat because it was so good. It was so delicious. I mean, it was probably the most delicious cheeseburger I've ever had in my life. That's it right there. Oh, it's called the Jesus. Brunch Box. Yo, you don't even tell by that picture. That picture, it's got bacon on it. The cheeseburger. See those fucking grilled jalapenos? And good God, it was good. Fucking a man. I was like, I can't believe how delicious this is like it was so unique It was such a bunch of different flavors in your mouth But they're like into shit like that down there like little small businesses that do a great job and make really good food It's like it's an art form to a lot of these people and that's why they I think that's why stand-ups sort of thrives in that city, too It's a very creative city Stand-up is amazing there. That fucking helium was spectacular. 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 So fun. From the fucking staff to the people Everybody to the cool reefer yeah. to the food to the weather. It's kind of, you know, if you're here for a month and it's fucking sunny, you go up there and it's got like that Batman weather. Mm -hmm. Like Gotham City. Gloom. It's like fucking gloom. <laughs> you, you, appreciate you appreciate LA when you come home. Once in a while. Yes, you do. You know, and uh, when I went to Cleveland, it's like fucking where Batman lives. Ooh. I told him. The Riddler lives dun. here. Everybody lives here. The Joker. This place, I'm from the plane. You're like, Cleveland don't fuck around. Look at you. What do you got today? Cleveland hat? No, that's Atlanta. That's Cleveland that's Indians. Cleveland? Oh, shit. Look at you. I was talking about Cleveland. That's hilarious. The, the, yeah, the, the Portland, it's, everything's rainy, so it's all like the green is like a different green. Like the grass, you don't see like dry grass up there. That grass is glowing. It glows. You could eat that shit raw. <laughs> Fuck the juicer. You eat three pieces of grass, you test positive and shit for fucking... As long as you take your vitamin D, because you're not going to get a lot of sunshine in the winter. But if you take your vitamin D and deal with that... Is this a, it's a relaxed place, too. There's not that many people up there. I think Portland only has like a half a million or something, right? How many people? Google that shit. I bet. I'm going to guess. How many get, people you guess? I'm guessing somewhere between five and 600,000. I'm not good with that. In Portland? Yeah. I'd say 1.2 million. No, 2.1 million. The Wikipedia official population is 609,000. Oh Boom. Gosh. Done. Thank you. Wow. All right, yeah. so I've been, going Small. To, I've been going to Portland since 98. I had a friend, Floyd the Kidney. He used to go to dialysis. Floyd the Kidney. So I used to call him Floyd the Kid. Floyd J. <laughs> Phillips. He's my brother from a different. My lives in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And Floyd J. Uh, Phillips was my friend in Portland. So I met him doing the Seattle comedy competition, and he said, "Listen, if you want to come to Portland, I'll get you into Harvey's." That was the big club for years. That club, five days a day, you want to shoot yourself. Saturday night, the grand finale, the club owner invites his mother to the club and she sits in the front row either gives you the thumbs up like fucking gladiator or the thumbs down you no never come way back. yes she does his mother oh my god <laughs> so they attract a different type they attract like comedians and magicians and hypnotists 
So when helium went to Portland, just knocked them out of the fucking race. It's two different worlds. Helium's bringing killers. They still got guys that play the trumpet on stage and jump up and down. They used to book Stanhope once a year. They're the only club that once a year they worked a dirty week. And it was either Stanhope and Ingram or Stanhope and me. That's it. One, wow. one year. One week Wasn't a year. there a place in Seattle that was like super squeaky clean at one point? Was it Giggles? Giggles. Is that still around? No. The owner, Terry, went back to Utah. He's a Mormon. He had a club in fucking whatever that was popular. So he bought Giggles from this dude that was a fucking pilot in Vietnam. And he was half a bots and he used to drive a Jaguar. And he hated dirty comedy. But he hired me. I used to put him together to hire me. But the beauty is I got in with the waitresses. They did drugs. They were fucking cool. <laughs> so I made a, the one waitress was partying with fucking the singer from Alice in Chains, dog. Whoa. She used to tell me. Lane Taylor? Anytime you want to come and do some heroin with us. Oh, my God. And I used to sit there going, oh, my God. I didn't know who Alice in Chains was. I'm not going to lie to anybody. Wow. At the time, I had no idea. And uh, I used to tell the waitresses to go in the room and see who the feature act was for the following week. This is how fucked up this guy was. So they'd say, he doesn't have a feature the rest of the month. So after I'd work on Saturday, first thing Monday morning, 9.01, I would call him and go, whatever his name was, hey, Joey D is here. Can I feature this week? Let me see if it's open. Yes, it's open. Hey, let me ask you, when was the last time you were at the club? Eight years ago. <laughs> he was so ubats, he was gone, like his mind was gone. Here's the better one. Thursday night was Olympia. So you had to drive to Olympia and do a one-nighter. And then Friday and Saturday night, he had four shows at the club at Giggles. Olympia was 150 for the feature and 100 a show. So you got 550. I would go to, I would do Olympia and then go there Friday night and take a draw for 250. And Saturday night, he'd still pay me the 550. Who's better than me? <laughs> I got that guy every fucking week when I was there. So he was just too old. He just didn't know what was no, going on. No, he wasn't that old. He was just, he was gone. He, and he would ask me on Monday, when was the last time you were there? Six years ago. Okay, I'll see you Thursday night. It was fucking crazy. Let me tell you how crazy he was. So you were on stage, and there was a, a window next to the stage. So that's how you knew when he pulled up. So I would work dirty, go up there, dicks, fuck you, cucks. And as soon as I see his light, I count the five. As soon as he hit the door and he walked me walking to the back, I do knock knock jokes. <laughs> so I lit the girl on fire, and we walked through the jungle, and then and he'd leave, watch you for a minute, a minute. I had to be clean for one minute, and then he disappeared, and then you went right back to your routine. That's hilarious. But here's where it gets better. I worked with, there's a guy up there, I can't remember his name, this fucking great guy out of Seattle. He's a tennis coach at the University of Washington. This guy is badass. He's been on the road for years, did all the TV shows. He's a gentleman and the cleanest comic working. And we, he was on stage one night. I was featuring for him. And... That owner walked in and confused me for him. And when he got off stage, he's like, what the hell's the matter with you working dirty? And the guy's like, I don't even say a curse, Bob. Bob! That was his name, Bob. <laughs> and he goes, yes, you were. I just watched you being dirty. It was me. He got shot down <laughs> in Vietnam. His mind was gone. They gave him a check and hit him up in Seattle. <laughs> And he bought a comedy club. He wouldn't even drink. He'd just lock himself in his fucking office. Oh. So he sold it to Terry. And Terry wanted it all clean. And then it went on. And that was in the U District. That club is in the U District. What's the U District? It's Seattle. like putting a club and sits on, across the street from El Compadre. You're going to really? get customs. Yeah, the U District is where the University of Washington is. Oh, oh I It see. was a couple streets away from the main strip. 
where everything crackalacks. That's a great, interesting strip. That's where Bruce Lee opened his first fucking school. Really? Right up there, yeah, bro. Seattle, Bruce Lee walked around Seattle, dog. That's wild. And he opened his first school up there, not with Yip Man, but with those black guys. That's where it all started. Up well, there's there, a large went, Chinese immigrant community. Yes, up then there, he right? went, then he came to Oakland. You know, that, up there was where all the rumors came that the mafia went and told him not to teach white people, and he told him to suck his dick. Then he's, then they sent the dragon over there. Then the dragon kicked him in the spine, and he went to the hospital, and that's when he wrote the Tower of Jeet Kune Do. That's the story they tell you in the movie. That's not what happened. They did send people over, and they were going to fucking kill them, those fucking triads, but that's not what Well, you I think mean. they did kill them, at, ultimately. At Ten years later, you know, listen, man, you got to put money in their pocket. Once you put money in their pocket, they keep you alive. Once he wanted to the deal with uh, Enter the Dragon, that's all an American deal. That's what happened. He cut them out. I if we ever find out the truth about that. That would be, that would be unbelievably fascinating that's if like we ever the, uncovered some documents. Really documents. Him, but then 30 years later, they kill his son. And nobody went to jail for that. A stunt man put a bullet in a fucking gun. You retarded. It was like a piece of a bullet or something like Whatever that. A piece of a shell. Nobody went to jail for that. There wasn't a trial. Nothing. Linda, Linda Lee went up there. I missed my son. They must have given her a fucking check, too. She's worth gazillions, Linda Lee. Yeah? Think about it. Who gets the estate? His two kids, the, 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 the daughter, and Linda Lee. That's it. Who's left? He may give Danny DeSanto a fucking taste from it. Yeah, the uh, the there's a lot of theories about this guy's death. It's really interesting. I was listen, guys. I'm 52 years old. Not only was I there. I mean, I wasn't in China when he died, but I was there, guys. I was in the middle of this. This guy was my everything, Joe Rogan. I had been hit in the head with a lunchbox. I was a quiet kid, and it was like that girl that fell off the bike. She had no titties. She wouldn't give me pussy, but after she got hit in the head, she grew tits, and she sucked everybody's dick. Remember I told you about that girl? And you were telling me how they hit a side of the lump in her head where the tits mm -hmm. grew when she got very, uh, what's the word? Sexual. Sexual, you know? I got crazy, so what fueled my craziness was Batman. But when Batman fought the Green Hornet, that took me to different levels of craziness. My father had just died. I was beating everything up. I used to have a French poodle I used to kick. My mother told me, you know, you got to, and it fueled me. It killed me. Once Bruce Lee came along, he introduced martial arts to this country in a different way. Like, that was it. Those karate schools filled up. My first experience with karate was with Rashad's father. Eddie Bravo's brown belt, the guy that plays the Brazilian. Rassan's, yeah, Rassan's Rassan's father, father was yeah. my first karate teacher yeah. on 90th Street in Amsterdam, up on the west side up there. And that was all a black school, Joe Rogan. And you had to carry your gi. It was a black gi with a white belt. And you had to walk in and give him a card. And on the card was a goju fist. I'll never forget that. And they had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And they would mark when they come in and they'd give you the card. You couldn't talk. You couldn't fucking talk. You had to go back there to Rasan's father, put your gear on, and you had to go to the front and stand like this. And then he'd like clap. And you had to do the cat stance from here, from right here, Joe Rogan. <sighs> you had to do the whole cat stance and go, <sighs> I still remember all that shit. I still remember my first form. I stayed with Rashawn's father. It was white, yellow, green belt, purple belt. I stayed with Rashawn's father. Rashad. 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 But, but it was fucking name is. From the time I was maybe six and a half to maybe nine, I went to that karate school religiously. And when they sent me to Catholic school during the week, I would go on Saturday mornings. And he would be pissed off. Like, where the fuck have you been all week, guy? Rashad's father used to... Rasan. Rasan's father used to make you run with your gi on. 
in the street with no shoes on, whether it was snow or not. This was the beauty. Really? This was the beauty. That was a different karate in those days, dog. It ain't this shit now. They, they didn't just give you a belt, bro. You had to get beat up and then beat motherfuckers up. But here's the beauty of it. You had to run in front of the kids that you went to school with. They'd be at the playground. Here you were with a white fucking gee running down Amsterdam Avenue and shit. So the next day you go to school and they're like, look at fucking Johnny Kung Fu. It's on. And you had to fight fucking 10 fucking kids and shit because they'd see you. This is a different time. For folks who don't know what we're talking about, Rasan is uh, Renato Laranja. That's uh, his character. The Brazil. Like, all the fucking people. That, hey, man, what happened with you and that Brazilian guy? Nothing. That guy is my friend. He's not really Brazilian. There, I said it. It's like they're trying to keep this goddamn secret. It's so ridiculous. It's not a Brazilian. He's an American actor slash comedian. A very funny man. Like Rasan Orange. So during this. Like Nikki Swanson. So, but here's what killed me. What's that? Nick Swartzen. That's how he calls Nick Nikki Swanson. <laughs> what are his fucking names? Oh, no. But here's what the killer was. So I'm involved in all this Joe Rogan. At the time, my mom moves to Jersey, and on Saturdays, I have to go to the bar in Jersey, or I'd have to go to the Bronx and do the numbers. When I went to Catholic school on sun Saturdays, when I, my, my stepfather would pick me up Thursday night. Friday was movie night. I'd either go to the Route 3 fucking drive-in. That's where I saw Enter the Dragon. No, I saw... Chinese Connection and Five Fingers of Death. I'm going to drop it on you motherfuckers. That's when the guy's hand would turn purple because he'd do the iron palm technique that was just on El Rey. Fucking, you got to give a shout out to Robert Rodriguez. He put it on me and all the handful. Our heads almost fucking blew up. That's all, that was the first martial arts movie that was released in the United States when his hand turned red and at the end he puts it through the guy. But I saw those two. Here's another fact. <laughs> hit me. Hit me. Here's the fact that really kills America. This is what really throws a twist in it. Uh, what's this young man's name? I can't. Jamie. Jamie, put on the date of Bruce Lee's death and put the date up of the release of Enter the Dragon. Why? Is it the same look. day? Go what does look. it mean? Go just, look. Just tell me. What does it mean? One or the other. It happened one week apart. That's the kinky thing. This is the biggest movie in the country. Do you understand me? This so, movie came out on a fucking Friday. By Saturday, you were on the phone with everybody. Uncle whatever, you got to go see Bruce Lee. He fucked everything up. When did Bruce Lee die? August when, 19th, 1973 to, yeah. When did the July movie, 20th, 1973. When did the movie get released? That was the weird part of it, that mm. this guy was a fucking genre. And all of a sudden, look at his face. Look at his face. Go back to his fucking face. What the Chinese are the best people at embalming. Oh, look at his there? fucking face in the, the casket. Look at his fucking face. That guy took a beating, dog. Didn't even look like him. That's what they were selling in Chinatown a week later, those pictures of Bruce Lee. Go ahead, click that. Click that fucking video. See what he tells you. The fucking true story. Look at that <laughs> shit. <laughs> Joey, what are you talking about? This is a crazy person's video. <laughs> this is a true story. The forbidden Wait. ritual of the steel palm. What kind of movies Hold are you on. making us watch, Joey? Doing Kung Fu with Yip Man. Looks like Dave Taylor. With the most deadly weapons ever developed, their bare hands. This is just fucking around, man. That's all this is. Is that his woman? That's Linda Lee. 
she still alive? Yeah, counting billions. Billions, what he sells, just in t-shirts. What do you think he does a year? Oh, yeah, I got a few of them. The Roots of Fight ones. Yeah, this is a bullshit video. Hold on. You want to keep watching it? <laughs> Joey's in love. He challenge champions. Look at his shirt. Look at that shirt. Look at that one. Now hold on one second. Wait till a picture of him comes up and enter the dragon. Tell me this guy was in bad shape. Oh, he had some Hema fucking Toba. We could just look, look up at, the, we could just look up the death photo instead of having to watch this horrible movie. They watch a horrible movie. This is the sound this is horrible. What well, he was the original wife beater. Where, who wore a wife beater before Bruce Lee? Nobody did, right? Who the fuck wore those? That wasn't common. Ha He was the first guy with a six pack. Really? Who the fuck else in a movie had a six pack? Who in a movie? would show their six-pack. What guy in a movie, even Chuck Norris, when you saw him, he was kind of smooth. Like, no one never looked like this before. Like, where a guy took his shirt off and started flexing, and you see his six-pack and all his sinew and muscles. Tarzan. Nah, Tarzan was smooth. Tarzan was like a fit dude, but he was smooth. No one's ever done Tarzan right. That's a movie that no one ever really nailed. Yeah. Nobody ever really... You really believe some dudes out there living with monkeys? Can't believe you watched that whole thing. <laughs> and that death photo wasn't even in it. Yeah. Fuck. They're trying to confuse us. <laughs> <laughs> People today don't know how much of an impact Bruce Lee. I have has. no idea. When they I was think a kid, it's a joke. It kills me when I see documentaries and they're talking for like John Jones. I love John Jones, but you're 20, dog. You didn't see the impact it did to black kids. Chinatown on Saturdays would be packed with white kids eating everything. I used to go to Chinatown eat the stick. It was a cat, a lizard. It didn't matter. <laughs> I wanted to be like Bruce Lee, bro. It yeah. didn't matter. I had the shoes. I had the thing. I had incense at the house. Meanwhile, my mom's a Santeria chick. She'd come in like, what the fuck is this incense? Get this. Are you fucking crazy? I'd be eating rice. For a long time, I went on a rice diet, though. My mom was going fucking nuts. She's Did like, you all you... eating Chinese, eat Chinese food to be like Bruce Lee? Everything. I did everything. I had the palm that you rub on your hands. Iron palm. I fucking was trying to get a plane ticket to Hong Kong. I was crazy. I was nuts. What's the stuff that you rub on your hands? The pomalachina. They have that, and then they have this ointment that you put on. It's like a liquid. It's like chin chin Tiger juice. Tiger balm? It's a, little, it's a little thicker, and you use it for the iron palm technique. <laughs> so you rub it on your hands, and you hit a bag before you strike something. Ah, and that's it really, important. Yeah, it's that important. You put it on your <laughs> elbows, your joints. You remember they used to have those stores? You, should buy, you could buy ninja stars. They used to have them in Chinatown. You could go, and you could actually sharp. buy throwing stars. Yeah, but they were never sharp. You, I'm ready to go to war. I got four stars in my pocket. I'm ready to throw it at a motherfucker, and they're not even, they're not even sticking into wood. They never told you you had to take them home and sharpen them. That was always the fucking by the way. The ones Chinatown that were... in Boston, they sold, they sold yeah. ones that had sharp edges to them. I used to get Black Belt Magazine. That was, my magazine. That was my magazine. And all the ones in there were sharp, though, because really? I got a few of those, and we would like, throw them against walls. Do you Listen. remember Century Martial Arts Catalog? You'd get that catalog, you'd order all yeah. kinds of shit. Coco Bolo, Nunchucks. I was I'm going to tell you, you how, how old I am. I used to get my shit from Honda. 
Honda was the original. Honda martial arts, yeah. And they had a store on Broadway, Fifth Avenue. When you go in there as a martial arts kid, you you would come. Your head would blow up when I was 10. <laughs> I would save all my money. I would work yeah. the bar, and I would go over there on Saturdays with six other gorillas. This was way before weed. This is what a lot of people don't understand. I stayed in martial arts, and the reason why I quit was because those kids didn't get high. I, I couldn't hide it from them no more. I liked those guys. You know, I used to go to class. In those days, I went to my mother's bar, I ate dinner, and I went to karate. And in those days, you were a kid, but you went to the kids' class, and you stayed for the men's class. And the men fucked you up. And that's the guys that held the boards for you. The, the upper belts would fuck you up. I would leave there at 9, 930 and walk home after two hours of that shit. And sometimes we go. I'd go to North Bergen, go to my house, and go to Mario Diaz's house. He was a Chinese-Cuban kid, and he had a basement. And that, that's where everybody met. Like, in those days, there was no Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Did karate. you ever go to tournaments? Did you ever fight in tournaments? Yeah, but I fought semi-contact. Oh, well, and my leg touch. would always slip, and I'd hit you in the head, and I'd get disqualified. But I always won first place in the form. So my goal was February of 1979. I had a goal on my birthday, 219. I said, I'm going to go to this tournament. It was a regional New Jersey tournament. My goal was to take first place in the form and first place in fighting. And I was going to quit, Joe Rogan. That's it. I was going to go to that tournament that Sunday and quit and never go back to karate. I was going to focus on basketball. And I went to the tournament. I got disqualified for kicking, but I took first in the form. And on the way out. <laughs> you had was, good forms? Yeah, what I had really good form. This was when I was Ishinru Karate. This was on 22nd. The guy's name was uh, Nelson Norlander, Wayne Norlander. He was another Vietnam vet, bulky white dude like Chuck Norris. And uh, he looked at your report card. He was he was a little bit more serious. He didn't really he wasn't a nice guy, but he had good form. You know, he had good karate. He taught, and that was the last. That was the last. So, like, what belt were you? When I left there, I think I was a green belt also. So that's when you were doing these forms. Yeah. Do you think you remember those? No. Like when you did that Joey Karate thing, where you yeah. used to run around throwing kicks and yeah, punches. Yeah, that in the was air. part of it. Those little moves. I still remember one form that you learned where you put your hand down, the elbow, you let them go, and then punched. It was like a really <laughs> neat form, you know. Because I used to hang out with Fuja Pai Kung Fu guys. I used to hang out with Hapkido motherfuckers. I used to hang out with a couple of Cubans that were into judo. You know, one time in Union City, they had a huge Russian judo school. There was also William Bolt. He was the original. <laughs> he was the original Aikido dude. Oh shit! Oh shit! <laughs> I'm telling you, dog. I had my. How shit many down. hits does this video have? Nah, nah. They they keep putting them up. Sixty-six thousand. They keep redoing them and shit. Yeah, whose is this? Do you have a YouTube page, or is this somebody this else's shit? Oh my god! This you is... should have a YouTube page where this shit is all up. I don't even have. I think Damon has the originals and shit like that. This is probably Damon's. Well, you is that his uh, YouTube channel? Hey, fuck no, it's Joey Karate. Damon, yeah, yeah. Damon's, Damon's with him. And you're okay. here for the UFC minute. A lot of people see me in the medical marijuana That's a long reports. time ago, huh? A lot of people see me in the sports reports. But nobody really knows I'm a trained fucking assassin. <laughs> Cuban black belt. I lost my rank on the fucking boat right over. They knocked me down to a green belt. But I'm fighting to get it back. You understand me? I take <laughs> my shit back to the fucking jungles in China. Hong Kong. Bolivia. That's where I train with fucking savages. <laughs> These little fucking guys flying through the air. But you're lucky you caught me today. Because Joey Karate is going to give you the lock for UFC. And it's all about fucking Brazil this weekend. You understand me? My man, 
Anderson Silva is gonna fuck people up this weekend. You understand me? He went through Kiss Lebanon. He Chris. went through Forrest Whitaker, Forrest Griffin. <laughs> Let me show you what this motherfucker does. First off, he's gonna get him in the clinch. That's a Muay Thai shit. You understand? That's not Muay Thai. Not really in Thailand. Over at the Thai restaurant on fucking Gawa there. So he's gonna get him in the clinch. Couple knees to the fucking head. Then he's gonna kick him with a sidekick. Then he's gonna jujitsu him into some fucking samurai or, or some arm bar or some fucking. And he's gonna fucking choke him out. It's that simple. <laughs> That's so Why don't you do on. these again? Yeah. Why don't you do your like Joey it. Karate predictions? Because you got to move on. You got to move on? Sure. These are amazing, though. Nah, I can't do these no more. You're too old. <laughs> You're too old? People say, who's this fucking fat old guy trying to be and shit? You know? Don't listen to them. You got to hang up the key, Joe Rogan. You got to hang up the key. Wow. Every once in a while, you gotta hang up the gate, dog. You can't be doing that shit on national television. Grown Ups 4. I think you should do it. I love it. I love all that. That's my love for it. I, I had it. So I know how much it affected me. After that, my life went downhill. The next six months of my life were a disaster. I After the, martial arts. I hit the number, yeah. When I quit that, that was it. That was the beginning of the end. Six months later, my mom died, and it was all... But when I got my life back together, that's what it was. I got back into... It's great for people, man. You need to do predictions for fights. Nah. <sighs> I'm too out of it anymore. But you're good at it, even if you're wrong. It's hilarious. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I felt in my heart Dos Anjos, but I couldn't say it. People going to think Did I was Did you see crazy. the fight? Yeah, I found it. Incredible. Pettis versus Dos Anjos. Pettis, I, I thought Pettis had an edge in the stand-up for sure. That was a great card. The girl, Joanna, was mm -hmm. great. She hits hard. Uh, you know, Overeem, everybody's jumping up and down over Overeem. Don't get too fucking excited. It was right? a pretty good performance, Wait for the man. test flick to come back. Oh. Right? <laughs> Stop it. Wait for the test to come back on Thursday, all right? Before you guys start jumping up and down, he beat up Roy Nelson. Poor Roy Nelson. You know, a well, lot you know, of people said that after the fight about uh, Dos Anjos. They go, please don't test Bobby. Please. please. Yeah, I know. He's all ripped up. Unbelievable performance. Like, this is, he's got to be, like, somehow or another, this guy's got to get through this. That was incredible. That, I, I thought I really did think that Pettis was going to have an edge in the stand-up, and Dos Anjos was just a, just attacking from the very beginning of the fight in the stand-up, like lit him up, man, straight left hands, blam, like super fast, like faster than I've ever seen him fight before. His last two fights, he's looked sensational. He looked a level above his game. So uh, I just I didn't know it was going to be that. I really didn't. It's I thought it was going to be a more of. A, but he took away, he took him down, and that was, bro, that's the, that's the fucking thing sometimes. Just mm -hmm. that takedown, GSP, that's, you know, Chael Sonnen, mm -hmm. that takedown slows you down, man. There was some great fights in that card. You know great what else it was, though, too? It wasn't just the takedowns. It was the fucking kick to the body, that left power kick to the body. He was smashing him with that thing. Every time you get hit with a kick like that, that shit takes a lot of your movement away. It takes a lot of your breath away. It takes a lot of your energy away. Dosanjo just smashed him with that kick over and over again and smashed him with straight lefts. I think Pettis was just taken aback. I just don't think he expected it. I think he felt like that Dosanjos would be probably slower than him and a little more hesitant on the feet. But Dosanjos just, just, just attacked. I am a, a big fan of fights. There's particular fights that my dick gets hard. Yeah, that was a big one for me. That was a big one for me, but what's coming? 
Because no one? matter whatever happens with Cerrone and Nukawaki, mm, the Russians, whatever his fucking Habib name, Nurmagomedov. Habib, that bad motherfucker <laughs> with the wall hat. Whatever happens there, I can't even pick a winner. Like it's too much for my fucking scalp to even think about. So whatever happens that fight, the winner gets this fucking savage. Mm -hmm. So that's two fights I get to see that mm. my dick gets hard and it spills all over it. So I love it. <laughs> this is tremendous. I love this type of shit. My original fight was Jacare against Yoel Romero. That went yeah. down the fucking tube. That's, see, you get that name right every time. Which one? Those, those Cuban names just yeah. flow right up no, your No, Yoel Romero's easy, yeah, and Jacare is, you, you. nobody fucks up Jacare's name. You understand? Habib, Habib Nurmagomedov. That's too much for Uncle Joey. <laughs> it's crazy because, you know what? You can't say it? Ten years ago, you guys were talking to me about Jacare. Yeah, he's a monster Ten years ago when you, Eddie, and Tate were getting that in those cars and would do an hour about Jacare, and it's like nobody talks about him in the UFC, and he's more dangerous than ever. They just don't fight that motherfucker enough. Well, he's been injured. He's got to get two fights. He had some pretty fights. significant shoulder uh, injury. He had, I know he had Sh surgery. Uh, um, uh, he, he had sorry, surgery. elbow injury. He did something. Yeah. But no, that, that guy's fireworks at that weight level. Well, let's see what he did to Yushin Okami. He was fucking he smashing Yushin Okami. Yeah, Yushin was done by the United Yeah, States. but still, no, it's no, the, no. his his attacks, Jack a savage, he's a monster. Man. He's put together. You know, it's very nice to see guys like nobody, nobody, nobody. First of all, nobody would have called 10 years ago that the UFC would be as big as it is today. But nobody really thought Robbie Lawler would put the pieces together. Mm -hmm. You know, it happens to comics. You see them 10 years ago, they go to Montreal, they get a little success, the deal doesn't fall through, and instead of putting the tail between their legs, they become comics. They keep working it. And you see them 10 years later, now they're fucking powerhouses. Powerhouses. Well, the same thing happens in fighting. I believe it. You know, this guy does this, he takes a couple losses, he gets better and better and better, and next thing you know, his ground game now is par with his striking. His striking is par with his wrestling. You know, it just all fits. And once it all fits, you're not going to stop somebody. You're not going to stop them for a while till they overthink themselves. And once they overthink themselves, that's like comedy. You ever overthink yourself, you go up there, you don't get the reaction you want? Keep it fucking simple, bitch. Who the mm. fuck are you to overthink things? Once we start thinking is when we kill ourselves. But I see it. I see it with Robbie Lawler. Guys like Robbie Lawler have to really make you believe in any other field that you may do, whether you're an artist, a singer, that, you know what? You took your lumps for a few years. You really did, man. But something you did, whatever you're doing now, stick to it. You said it was because he wasn't sparring anymore. He just was well, he wrestling. We took some time off of that. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> but it's, it's it's people put the pieces together. That's not what he did, though. He got better once he started sparring again, really. Right. But no, no, he put the pieces together after 10 years. He was a yeah. good fighter. He was a slugger. What it is is American Top Team. That's a big one. Yeah, <coughs> is he it went really to that a, good? Yeah, it's huge. He went to a real big gym, and he got really dedicated, and, you know, he became a more mature man. He, you know, he's in his 30s now. He's a real mature professional athlete now. It's just, he was a wild motherfucker when he was young, but now he's a real champion. I mean, Robbie trains like a fucking champion, and he always had the ability. He always had the mindset, for sure. And now you're seeing just the fruits of his labor. He's just, he's grown up. He's got a wife and a kid now. He's a different animal. You know, he's a totally different animal. And he's, he's you know, he's coming out for blood, man. He's coming out for blood. Johnny Hendricks looked good. Looked real good. Looked yeah, good. Dana White said he didn't like that fight. But that's, look, for a guy to do that to Matt Brown, hold him down like that, beat him up like that, like, I was impressed. I was impressed. That's, that's how you're supposed to fight when you can wrestle that way. Why would you stand? I mean, everybody wants everybody to fight in a way that's not smart. 
Like for a guy like Johnny Hendricks, that's a smart way to fight. You throw some punches on your feet, take that motherfucker down anytime you want, beat him up when you can. And when you got a guy like Matt Brown, you better do that. GSP you did it for years. Yeah, but GSP you, did it for years. You, you got to do that with a guy like gotta Matt Brown. That. You wouldn't yeah. even stand up with him. That's that's crazy. Like you have a huge advantage if you take him to the ground on your feet. You're pretty much dead even. If you just decided to slug it out with him, I mean, Johnny might have more one punch knockout power because Johnny has some pretty crazy one punch knockouts where people go flying like he's got magic in his hand, like that red hand from Kung Fu. Like, he, he sends guys flying. Like, doesn't do it as much anymore. But, like, if you go back to some of his highlight reel knockouts, like the John Fitch one or the Martin Campman one, they go flying. He just, blam! He just cracks them with that left hand. So you add that and then the Muay Thai of Matt Brown. Matt Brown's nasty. I'm, you know, Johnny might be able to hit harder with one shot, but Matt Brown's knocks some motherfuckers dead, too. And he comes after you, man. You know, if you're just going to stand with him and just trade with him, Robbie Lawler did it, but Robbie Lawler's the fucking champ. You know, he went five rounds with Matt Brown, and he's going to do it. Robbie Lawler's going to fight Rory McDonald again. That's going to be fucking crazy. What is that? I think that's April. Where? When is that? I'm not sure. I want to say, <clears> hmm, <throat> I don't know, man. Robbie Lawler. <laughs> uh, 189, July 11th. July. Oh, okay. Jesus Christ, that's the big one in Vegas. Oh. What's July 11th? That's the big Vegas card. Which, which one is that? Who's on that? Um, I'm who's in, on that card? I'm in Atlanta. Who's on that card, Jamie? That's International <clears throat> Fight Week in Las yeah, Vegas. Yeah, it's a big one, dude. What's up, dog? Way that's a big one. Sucker. You know I love you. That is a giant card. That's the Conor July McGregor. card. Ooh, Conor McGregor versus Jose Aldo. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. That's right. Who else? Oh, good Lord. That's, that's a fucking that's fight. That's all you have announced right now. That's all you have. That's all you need. That's all you need. You People paid anything. just for that. What are you going to put? This already that? sold out. As soon as it gets on sale, it's sold out. Wow. It's they're gonna the amount of people that are gonna come over from Ireland. There's gonna be people watching that shit on closed circuit. It's gonna be all throughout. Vegas is gonna look like Ireland. It's gonna be madness, madness. Nobody brings motherfuckers like that guy. That guy brings a lot of fucking people to the fight. Fuck St. Patty's Day. Wow, Robbie Lawler and Roy McDonald and Jose Aldo and Conor McGregor on one card. Oh, my God. Good Lord. God, keep together. Please, please keep <coughs> together. Please, you know, right now it's March, April, May, June. Three months for some bad shit to happen to someone's knee. Three months for someone to get a, a broken knuckle or something. Why are you you're putting the kiss of death on him? Because <laughs> <laughs> I got to spit myself. You know what I'm saying? You got to spit yourself. It's interesting, like when this is happening too. Like what time in their career? You know, McGregor on the rise, and Aldo has been a champ for a long time. Like it's a good time. If McGregor was going to fight him, now's a good time to fight him. He's had so many really tough fights, really wars. You know, it's a fucking interesting fight, man. Really interesting fight. And then Robbie and and Rory's going to be interesting too, man. Five rounds. You know, who knows what the fuck's going to happen in that fight? Who knows what, like, strategy Rory's going to employ? Rory apparently had something wrong with his ankle. He was talking about it when he came in here for that fight. Couldn't move around as much as he would like to. Stood right in front of Robbie. Wonder he's gonna, how he's going to fight him when they fight in July. Because, you know, he got a lot better since then. Rory got a lot better. Robbie got better since then. They both got better. Robbie being the champ now, he's going to really have... Like, he's going to have a pretty significant advantage 
as far as like confidence and mindset, like having already beat him once, beat him and hurt him, and now also being the champ. But that doesn't mean anything, man. Rory's talented as shit. He's a really fun guy to watch, Rory, because he's such a uh, student of fighting. You know, he doesn't have like ridiculous athleticism, ridiculous knockout power. He just does everything great. Everything he does is great. He knows what to do. His footwork's excellent. Real smart about it. He's an interesting dude on the podcast, too. I don't know if you listened to the one that I did with him. It's one of my favorite ones with fighters. He's a real down-to-earth dude. He's too, totally honest about it, too. Like, the way he stares down guys. Like, like he looks, like, dead in the eyes and shit. And he's like, well, dude was staring at me, and I don't want to turn away like a bitch. <laughs> he's like, instead of sounding like some sort of a psycho, it's like, well, I guess that makes sense. You know? What's an ex, Joey Diaz? What are you doing? Nothing. What do you got going on this weekend? Where you at? I'm here with you guys. Yeah, you? you're all here all weekend? Yeah, I'm going to EBI, dog. Oh, that's right. On we're Sunday. going to EBI Sunday at the Orpheum. Yeah, Eddie Bravo uh, Invitational Jiu-Jitsu Tournament this Sunday. We're going to go check that out at the Orpheum in L.A. And then uh, Sunday night, I'm at the uh, place where Joey's not allowed to work. The Comedy but they're Magic also Club. doing a pay-per-view oh. for Eddie. They're also yeah. doing a pay-per-view for Eddie. you got to look into it. I don't I'll know be how tweeting much it. it's going to cost or whatever, but please... So it's going to be great. They have a lot of fucking young guys on there. Uh, you know, yeah, I'm going to be Gary Tonin doing it again. You yes. got the two fucking animals mm -hmm. from Costa Mesa. A lot uh, of good fighters. Yeah, so a lot of good uh, jujitsu guys. If you're into jujitsu, this is the one for you, cocksuckers. Eddie Bravo's really working hard at this. And uh, as a brother, I'm like, last time I fucked up, this time I got it. Go. Yeah, they're coming in too. Gary and Eddie are going to come in hopefully on Saturday. We're going to do a podcast, talk about it. Pump, pump it up. So you're in town for a few weeks? I'm in town. Glorious. I go to San Diego in about Glorious. three weeks. I go to fucking uh, Tempe and I go to Houston. Beautiful. You know, in, in the month of April. And, and where it. where are your dates up? Are they up at JoeyDiaz.net? Joey I put them up today because I finally got everything together. But I'm still got three or four that are gonna pop in. So just work with me, cocksuckers. Work with them, cocksuckers. Work with me. You Mad know flavor on Twitter. The only person I know that doesn't have his actual name has his Twitter. And very handle. important. Very important. The reason why I came on here was to promote the last. Uh, this is not happening with Ari Shafir. It's me and Ari Shafir. I tell a story about my mom's friend who took care of me after my mom died that I never gave any props. And that's it. Please, just that's turn the fucking night. DVR. Yeah, 11 o'clock. Do us the favor. It's the last one of the season. It's 12.30, right? Is it what a different time? I don't know. I don't it's 12.30. 12.30 it Eastern tomorrow. It's the if last you have... one of the season. Joe did last weekend. Uh, please watch it and just kick on the DVR. Tell your neighbor, you know. If you have uh, DirecTV, it'll be on East Coast time. So if you're on Comedy Central, DirecTV, it'll be 9.30 p.m. If you have uh, a lot of different cable companies, we'll have it on uh, regular West Coast time, which means it'll be 12.30. And uh, 12.30 on the East Coast. All right, you fucks. All right, that's it. Good night. I love you, Much love. love you Stay too, black. buddy. Later. Uh, Red Band LaRue. Cheers, though.